action right here on Monday Night Show. You want a war? You're going to get one. You fans can stick it, brother. Brett screwed Brett. This is bullshit! And I also appreciate the fact that, hell, you can kiss my ass. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 147 of Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke alongside Carl Jones. Evening. And Kieran O'Rourke. Fucking hate you, Vince Reese. And you can tell from that that we are back to discuss the Monday Night War timeline, this time talking December of 1999, covering every Raw, every Nitro, both pay-per-views in the month of December, as well as all the backstage and behind-the-scenes goings-on with notes from the uh, Pro Wrestling at Torch and Wrestling Observer newsletters of the time. Uh, If you have not heard any of our previous timeline episodes, of course, you can go back, and please do, to squaredcirclegazette.com, where we archive every show we've ever done, every episode of the timeline. We have uh, been doing this, obviously, since the beginning of the war, and we are about to round out... 1999, fellas. It's a uh, it's a relief, a feeling of relief for me. But uh, there's a lot to talk about here today. It is a relief, but I was gutted because before I started watching uh, the show, I had it in my head that it was January 2000, <sighs> and I was so up for the rumble. Yeah. Oh. Hey, that's coming. I had Starcade instead. <laughs> Starcade '99. Oh, Armageddon's not exactly uh, something to write home about for the <laughs> most part. Yeah, but well, we'll cover them both here and again. Right around the corner, it's coming. Don't worry, good stuff's coming. But uh, we will kick off this episode of the time actually with a name from outside the realms of the road professional wrestling because L. Brent Bozell is now in the picture here in the Monday Night War timeline. And he wrote this past week, the first week of December, that Mr. McMahon's characterization of his wrestling shows is more fictitious than the shows themselves. There's no rape, robbery, murder, or attempt at any of those things in anything we do. We're fun, says Vincent Mann in a recent article. In fact, on SmackDown, there have been either portrayals of or allusions to rape, bestiality, incest, homosexuality, nudity, and prostitution. The show's sexual elements are mixed liberally with extreme brutality. Characters routinely use weapons such as sledgehammers, pipes, chains, and other occasionally vehicles on each other. Matches have involved men trying to light one another on fire and women pulling each other's tops off says Mr. Bozell the Third. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, if you haven't watched this show and you just read that, I don't know why that would you'd, you'd happen in that order, but I, I, if that's me and I've never seen this show and I read that, I'm thinking, I'm fucking watching this. <laughs> this sounds nice. Yeah, so, and is it a coincidence that 2000 was the biggest year they ever did? <laughs> I think not. Thanks, Brent. <laughs> Sorry, L. <laughs> The scorecard at press time of who has dropped out of WF sponsorship is the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Coast Guard, Coca-Cola, Mars, and AT&T. Well, they're fine as long as there's no invasions. <laughs> because, yeah, because of it being Christmas season, the WWF was able to get new advertisers to fill the spots fairly quickly. So except for the stock price falling, which it did quite harshly, uh, there was really no short-term economic losses sustained from this. Uh, so XFL will soon see to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, this, this is the lay of the land here. This is bubbling underneath at the moment in the haven't timeline. We a, haven't we got like a, a, a restaurant to get through first, or does that come after the XFL? That, that, that's here. That's, 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 that's here. That's yeah. soon. That's soon. Yeah, it's it. soon. Excellent. On the other side of the fence, on Wrestling Observer Live, Vince Russo did an interview and said that Nitro would go from eight 
to 10 p.m. Two hours, starting with the first of the year. An hour has been chopped off, which I, is a victory for us, I feel. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> My God. Russo said he was vehemently against the move, wanting it to go from 9 to 11 p.m. rather than 8 to 10. Uh, both said that the show would be able to get more risque and be TV 14. And also said they wouldn't, have a, 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 they wouldn't be handing the WF a giant audience during the 10 to 11 o'clock hour. Uh, due, due to the pressures that sponsors have put on the WWF to clean up, many of the sponsors that have pulled out of the WWF and stayed with WCW have started putting pressure on it to clean up as well. Russo na- noted that station management, in particular standards and practices, forced them to drop the Bell's Palsy part of the Oklahoma character due to the station getting negative responses from viewers. That was just because it was shit. Yeah, game changer. That does he use these? As his ex- Obviously, he's going to use these as an excuse going on. Yeah, yeah. Game changing uh, changes to your uh, genius there. We'll co- we'll talk about his genius throughout yeah. the show because we do get li- liberal servings, helpings, if you will, dollops of <laughs> Russo pie during the course of this month. The filthy animal, steaming Russo pie. <laughs> The field, the animals are all down and out at this point. Uh, Rey Mysterio tore his ACL doing a top rope Frankensteiner taping ready to rumble and he's getting surgery. Another victim. Uh, Kidman missed the weekend house shows due to a neck injury. Eddie Guerrero will be out of action as he needs arthroscopic surgery on his elbow and Conan is being kept out of the ring for a kayfabe injury. At this point, Tori Wilson's character has been dropped after a contract dispute. She was looking for $250,000 per year for three years and didn't get it. Wow. Didn't get it. I'm. I'm. Did they I'm, insist on more? <laughs> I'm astounded she didn't get it. Yeah, you kind of question the uh, the accuracy of that. <laughs> Could that possibly be? We'll talk about that. There's a lot of uh, interesting financial figures at the end of this episode as we round out 99. Ric Flair's attorneys requested him getting a release from his contract this week, but uh, at this point WCW hasn't agreed to it. So Flair wants out. No surprise there. We move to the first, Raw and Nitro of the month, December 6th. Uh, We'll start with Nitro first, why not? Kick off with Jeff Jarrett out to start, setting up the uh, Jeff Jarrett versus Dustin Rhodes bunkhouse match at Starcade. Of course it's a stipulation. Well, why wouldn't it be? This fucking pay-per-view... I think every it feels like everything is a stipulation or yeah, something's on the line. It's like, yeah, but the build is every match has a stipulation to, in the build, and then in the follow-up afterwards... They either just regurgitate or do more wacky stick magic. It's, oh, I hate this guy. I hate him so much. <laughs> uh, Jeff Jarrett then challenged Bret Hart, Bill Goldberg, and Mike Tanay. And Mike Tanay is the one who answered. Obviously, he got guitared in previous weeks. Uh, after arguing, Tanay turned his back, and Jarrett jumps him and puts him in the figure four until Goldberg makes the save, which sets up our main event for the evening. Jeff Jarrett. There's a lot of him this month. There is a lot. A lot of, of broken guitars. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of putting Mike Graham's theory to the test about uh, all those broken guitars. Yeah, one of Mike Graham's many theories. <laughs> At least, I just like anything Russo. It gets gone. It starts to go on a bit of a reaction, you know, a pop because it's a it's a dude using a, ch- uh, a guitar, mm-hmm. so it's always going to get a pop. So yeah, as you do do, if you're Vince Russo, let's do it ad nauseum and. It doesn't make any fucking sense again. No. With Vince Russo, it's a whole hell of a lot of doo-doo. Oh, is it? Oh. This week's awful show-long sketches I wrote down. The Mama Luke's losing strip poker to the Nitro Girls. <laughs> David Flair kidnapping Symphony, leading to the maestro searching for her, for her and ending up in the block. <laughs> God. Norman Smiley beats Ronda Singh in a hardcore match. Jushin I'll, 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 I'll say this. I'll say this. <laughs> 
Norman Smiley is quite entertaining. <laughs> He's great. Screaming Norman's awesome. This is peak uh, Norman Smiley, I feel. Jushin Liger beat Psychosis to win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship that Juventud Guerrero beat for him last week with a very prestigious setup to this match, Kieran. Do you recall? After watching it, uh, this is the. Uh, um... It's Laparka and Psychosis <laughs> in Vince Russo's office. Remind me. And Russo basically says whoever gets out of this room first goes to the ring as champion. <laughs> I, th- I thought this was. They have a, a, a fucking lazy ass kind of crawl over each other, fight to the door. Psychosis gets out and therefore becomes the IWGP junior heavyweight champion. Uh, was he officially champion? Because this is, isn't this in the follow up to Liger not bringing the belt out to make it an official match so then this is okay Liger's got a rematch but uh, yeah he'd be done up an opponent so let's just kind of throw this it doesn't make any fucking sense and then Liger wins anyway I guess so it was all back to how Liger intended it to be to start with yeah why would, they New, just why would to New Japan with. allow any of this? They didn't allow any of it. That's, that's the whole thing they, they don't think that they, they signed off on the idea of the title change at all <laughs> your face is tremendous, Carl. Unfortunately, people can't hear. I can't hear your facial expression, but uh, yeah, it's a thing of beauty right now. Uh, God's sake! Steve Williams and Oklahoma beat Vampiro and Jerry only, with Oklahoma doing commentary during his own match. Uh, uh, Vampiro. Vampiro. <laughs> yeah, we're clever like that. Yeah, funny stuff. Um, I did like that Oklahoma said he was blown up at the thirty-second mark. That, was, that did get a giggle, but that was about it. Uh, also, and Doctor Death still there. Uh... In good shape. Still pretty built, you know, in fairness to him. He's in good shape, and he's moving around better than I remembered as well during this period. I always remember him being like the big fat lug that Bart Gunn knocked on his ass, but you know, there you go. That's what happens you put him with the misfits. Um, yeah. <laughs> they stellar athlete. They are, they are. Um, WCW then play, I'm sure they play this twice, the fucking Kurt Hennig Virgil angle, where Hennig brings Virgil into Russo's office and calls him Shane, and they aired this twice. What, More why? production. Just emphasize uh, yeah. the point. Why, why, why does he call him Shane? It's funny, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a laugh. It's inside. Is it? Yeah, it's inside. Of course. Yeah. Oh, of course it is, yes. It's inside you like you're ready. I was going to say that. Inside you like you're ready, Brack. I don't. It's not, <laughs> not even a saying. It's not even a good Don't you get it? See, see this, is the, this is the problem. Watching these shows has addled your brain. It melts, melts your brain, does No, it's, it's like the old p- public service. And this is your brain on drugs. It's the, it's the fried egg. <laughs> this is your brain on Russo. <laughs> Roddy Piper beat the Harris Twins refereeing his own handicap I quit match Piper called them condom heads in a promo which got mild again mild pop for me there's a few things on this show that's just like <laughs> that's it that's all, that's all this show got for me uh, Vince Russo called Larry Zabisco to his room and asked why Thunder sucks <laughs> Larry said it's because the stars aren't on the show and Russo said that now they are bro I love being told how much your own product sucks yeah isn't it yeah. great it's brilliant they're actually doing that now in WWE, yeah. which is brilliant. It's yeah. about how low the why, ratings are. Why, why are you still watching? Yeah. How stupid are you? They then did a... Uh, they, they announced Larry Zabisco versus Kurt Hennig, where if Hennig wins, Larry leaves WCW. But if Larry wins, Russo goes back to the WWF. Back to New York. <laughs> Vince, Vince McMahon have any stay in this? <laughs> no, apparently not. Uh, Kurt Hennig won by DQ, so we're stuck with Russo for another yeah, well, few weeks. Yeah, we've got to protect Zabisco. <laughs> yeah, can't, can't have him doing the clean job. 
Kevin Nash went to a non-finish with Chris Benoit when Scott Hall ran in. Uh, Hall came out and did colour while sitting on top of a ladder and claimed to have invented ladder matches. That's funny. Normally he just does coke and booze. (laughs) Allegedly. Uh, Bobby Heenan claimed that Scott Hall had never lost a ladder match. Luckily, Heenan (laughs) forgot about the match. He called in January with Goldberg. Actually, you know what? Bobby Heenan was fucking terrible on this show. He's, He's terrible all month. I hate to say I it. I don't care. He's awful. I don't care. I don't blame him. I'd be exactly the I same. I don't blame him. Fuck it. Get me a beer. But it's done. <laughs> but it's done. The brain's done here. The brain is fried, as we said. Hey. I would be a hypocrite criticising another man for getting shit-faced while doing commentary on a shit restaurant. <laughs> well, let's face it, you know, no one would have thought less of him. Well, they might have thought more of him. He was just doing lines off Keebler's ass. <laughs> Shivani asked Scott Hall what he was doing with the ladder, and Scott Hall told him that he should look because he's got the format sheet in front of him. It felt to me all this month that Scott Hall was trying to get himself in trouble. <laughs> yeah, but it's hard to tell with the, with the Russo product because... It's also something he would write. Yeah. Yeah. He's been... He's that stupid. Hall's probably tricked him into thinking he did write that. (laughs) DDP came out, beat up David Flair, which I'm sure you appreciate, Kieran. Yeah. Yeah. And then talked about the rumours that he was going to the WWF. (laughs) That we talked about that were reported in The Observer and not on television. But but everyone reads The Observer, don't they? (laughs) Of course they do. Page then wrestled Sid, which lasted about one minute before the worst ref bump of at least the night. Um, Hall and Nash come out the fans chant for Goldberg Bret Hart comes in they chant for Goldberg Jeff Jarrett comes in they still want Goldberg Security comes in and the fans boo (laughs) Nick Patrick and Security then all left because the refs are going on strike another ingenious creative idea from Vince Russo haven't seen this before ever in professional wrestling especially in the last not not three three months months prior in the WWF when he was last there (sighs) Because they're all gone, Roddy Piper said he'd ref the Goldberg-Jeff Jarrett match. It'll be a lumberjack match with all the wrestlers around the ring. And it ends with Bret Hart hitting Jeff Jarrett with the belt and Goldberg pinning him for the win. Yep. Can't, can't have Goldberg winning clean. No, it's got to be a it's got to be a, 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 it's gotta be a swerve. Can't have the only person the audience care about looking strong. Well, it just, it'd just look out of place, wouldn't it, on this show? You don't want too much of that. No, you don't, you don't want too many clean wins. Or any. <laughs> you don't really any finishes. No. What about any, the block? Any, any matches? What if it happened in the block? Then we could have a really nice clean finish. I don't want to talk about the block. Talk about the, block. <laughs> the first rule of the block. <laughs> <laughs> don't book the block. <laughs> December 6th over on Raw. Let's see how they counter this. The, uh, the New Age Outlaws start with their noticeably toned down promo from Road Dog, by the way. I was actually looking for it because of the whole the timing of the, the, mm. the PTC stuff. And uh, yeah, kick that poo-poo doggy style, as he says. Not that shiznit. <laughs> but that was a bit of a... That didn't make sense. Yeah. Things like, I could, in a similar vein to Scott Hall, I suppose, I could imagine there not being a directive for him to do that, but even just for chits and giggles. So, you know, he's going to be sort of smarky about it and, you know, mm. just take the piss. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's a few things this this uh, month. Where both sides seem to be getting some some on-screen kicks in about the the real life stuff going on. So, uh, yeah, that's all Russo ever does. <laughs> Forget this month. Well, yeah, his life. Two cool beats of the New Age Outlaws by disqualification when the Hollies run in, but Rikishi cleans out on their behalf. Uh, Meltzer writes, Rikishi's going to be getting something of a push because the crowd pops big when he and Two Cool do the dance. Uh, later in the show, he kills Bob Holly in thirty seconds, which is much appreciated. But uh, I think this is the week 
where they have like the fucking public enemies music they don't have their actual the, the two cool song that everybody knows they have like that weird like it is it's, it's the public enemies theme song they use for their cup of coffee in the big time but uh so yeah I completely forgot they changed that but also because obviously they were like you know two cool are obviously you know a gimmick being cool they're nerds playing cool whereas public enemy were legit too legit to quit yeah, so exactly. they got fired <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, Mankind did an interview he called it Al Snow uh, definitely Snow's best performance since coming to the WWF says Meltzer here where this is the, the revelation that uh, after, after Al Snow's kind of sowing the seeds of dissent about how The Rock does not like you he's a piece of garbage and he reveals that he's the one that threw the book in the trash because that's where it belongs and, uh, and then he hits Foley with the microphone and turns heel so this has been building for a while and I like this segment a lot yeah um, Al with a bit of vitriol in him shut your mouth I liked it yeah, it's I, they actually try harder than I remember I think with Al um, and yeah is it next week <laughs> yeah yeah we'll get to that we'll get yeah. to the week after but yeah I, a, a strong start here this has been teased for a while and I thought considering the kind of stuff they've been having Foley do for the last little while which is not much you know we talked about you know the Bulldog brief period the Val Venus extended don't, run don't make me relive that and now it's Al Snow <laughs> but you know Bulldog's still with the posse by the way I don't know why I have no idea it's quite funny seeing them run in at points during this month. It's like, why the fuck the Brit- why is David Boy Smith hanging around with his his rich his rich friends? Yeah, I have no idea. Very bizarre, you might say. I don't know. That's all I can come up with. But uh, yeah, so this is uh, this is also the, the week after we should mention the Stephanie marriage to Triple H uh, in the chapel. So this week, Stephanie uh, tries to get Triple H to sign an annulment, and. Uh, the outlaws are in the shower and they're backstage and Triple H is there cracking wise about how, you know, seriously, Steph, we're going to go in the shower <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, he's completely playing it cool and the fans are getting into Triple H here. They're kind of enjoying this the way he's sticking to the McMahon girl. But, uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, the fan- Yeah, so anyway, Triple H comes out and does a pretty fantastic uh, false, sincere interview about love. Uh, he used the word <laughs> slut and whore because the fans in An- Anaheim at SmackDown chanted it at Stephanie. Uh, when the which they edited off the show, but what the hell? <laughs> um, Triple H even broke down crying when Stephanie came out. Uh, largely, pretty much just set up the steps for the match at Armageddon, where the idea is that if Vince beats Triple H, the uh, the wedding gets annulled. But if Triple H wins, he gets a title shot at the Royal Rumble. So, uh, yeah, the, fan, the fans were still largely ch- like cheering Triple H for the whole thing. Well, I think as you said last time, it's we've we've had like two two or three years, probably three years of Heel McMahon's and everything revolving around the Heel McMahon or Heel Vince anyway and Shane um, and this when they started this the, the Triple H DX versus Vince stuff it was just kind of it felt like it was almost the same narrative devices they used for Austin similarly anyway but it was just role reversal and DX were, were, were the heels and not faces but they still played so it's, yeah I mean it doesn't surprise me that they got Started to get cheers up to this point because that's where it's kind of. It's surprised it took this long to be Exactly, quite it's been signposted. It's like, oh, he's got one over the. That's it. It's, it someone has finally got one over the boss. Like, yeah. fucking his daughter when yeah. she was unconscious. <laughs> so, fair play. Uh, all the women who were in the evening gown match at Armageddon were yelling at each other. And in the middle of all of this, the orange symbol flashes uh, the impending arrival of Taz to the WWF, which was. I remember when this actually happened at the time, for some reason, I couldn't figure out who this was. <laughs> 
You were the one you tasked I was, I was, I was unaware. Yeah, okay, well, at least not the only one. It was, it was hilarious, because I remember when this show happened at the time, Kieran, you missed this episode, and I was explaining to you that this orange symbol came on the screen, and you, it took you two seconds to say, it's Taz. You didn't even see the show. <laughs> Meanwhile, me and Carl have no idea. I do have a talent for spotting these little <laughs> things, because, you know, idiots think like idiots, I guess, so, oh, Taz, that is... <laughs> China told Miss Kitty. There's one Jericho. Jericho's second return. Oh yes. I, I, I figured that one out pretty quick as well. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. China told Miss Kitty that she had to be in the evening gown match, but Kitty said that she didn't want to do it because she doesn't wear underwear. Come back to this. <laughs> um, oh, fucking hell! Triple H and X Pac beat Kane and Test when Triple H just pins Test with the pedigree. Oh my god! Oh it's, boy! It's, it's over for you, boy. <laughs> the... It was never on for him. If you think about it, the booking of him before he was this is pretty much he's been booked exactly the same anyway. Yeah, he always was a job where it's just you thought he was going to get a push because he was in the angle. And well, this is eleven fifty nine fifty nine on that dream <laughs> because the bell tolled here three times decisively for Test pedigree. Know your place, son. Stay in your lane. Kick wham. You stay in the mid card. The thing is with Tess, it's not even. It's not even the jobs. It's the complete lack of balls and manners and stand, oh, standing yeah. up to having his, you know, his, his wedding, woman. Yeah. His wedding fucked over. His woman doesn't know what to do the, right now. The starch in his trousers is the only thing keeping him upright. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because yeah, this this push, it's done. There's no push here. Meanwhile, WF champion The Big Show beats Viscera in two minutes. Did you remember he was the champion, folks? Yeah, he was the champion. Don't forget, in the middle of all this, they actually tried to set this up with an angle where Viscera splashed Show through a table earlier in the earlier in the night. But they did two minutes of what was an attempt for interesting big man spots, where they had like Viscera giving him a Samoan drop and Big Show body slamming him and doing a top rope drop kick, which ends this match. No one cared. Two big guys doing impressive why stuff. Would, why would you? No one cares. The, the, the champion he's the champion Carl it's Visser and Big Show though <laughs> this is music he's just fucking soul destroying isn't it's it it's forever turning mm-hmm. Big Show and and Mabel Big Show isn't yeah he doesn't actually like keep getting turned he's just in one he's like a it's a it's a perpetual motion yeah, he's just so big it takes him a while to get round it's yeah. a revolving door one yeah. perpetual turn yeah mm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, the, after, the, after the match is finished, of course, we go to the video. That, Carl, you've recounted this for years, where the boss man is with Big Show's mom <laughs> and finds out that his dad that died was not actually his real dad. Remember, you're a nasty bastard and your mama said so. Yeah. <laughs> of course, the, the, the mom doesn't know that this is being filmed until boss man points to a camera out of a, out of a window going, You've been filmed on television! <laughs> you know, his, his Georgia drawl, which I just absolutely love. <laughs> He's illegitimate. <laughs> he's illegitimate. He's a bastard. <laughs> Why don't you say he's a bastard? <laughs> yeah. Afterwards, you get the uh, the big show crying down the phone to his mum about why he wasn't told. So I guess after all, Andre wasn't his dad. <laughs> oh, he might have been. I don't because uh, yeah. Hmm. Maybe he was because this first, does not disprove no that he wasn't his dad. This actually substa- this backs that up that it could be. It could be because the one that he thought he that was not Andre exactly is dead. So <laughs> actually, it is Andre. Hmm. Either yeah. that or King Iakea. <laughs> yeah, well, for Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, the main event of the show is Rock and Mankind versus Al Snow and his mystery partner, Chris Jericho. Uh, Jericho was doing a promo uh, on China when China jumped him 
way before she was supposed to apparently on the stage uh, Rock used the Rock Bot Monjeko on the ramp uh, during the match but the Outlaws attacked Rock and Mankind for the DQ no jobs here this week either uh, the show ends with a Rock Bottom on Billy Gunn but Al Snow runs in and hits Foley with the head so uh, there you go we're kind of still heading towards Armageddon but nothing too substantial on this show uh, the Triple H Stephanie McMahon soap opera led Raw to more than double the rating of Nitro head to head this week if you want to know where things sit at the start of December <laughs> nearly quadrupling the audience during the key quarter hour of the show Raw finished with a 6.0 to Nitro's 3.0 exactly double over the head to head two hours Nitro did a 2.7 making it the lowest rated Nitro since Russo and Ferrara took over the closest WCW came was during the main event battle when Rock and Mankind versus Snow and Jericho did a 5.7 while Goldberg versus Jack the Lumberjack match did a 3.7 so not 2 but only 2 points separating only a 2 point demolition for that quarter might make you think they want to focus more on Goldberg make him look good make him look strong the ultimate destruction came during the Triple H interview with Stephanie and Vince which did a 7.2 rating to Nash versus Benoit which did a (laughs) 1.95 big Kev's money and don't you just know that Kev and Mike Graham Pinned all that on Chris Benoit. Oh, you bet. I bet Kevin Sullivan was there pointing the finger as well. After a week of... The midget himself. After a week of bad publicity... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that says something was Benoit... The plane! The plane! (laughs) (laughs) After a week of bad publicity, it sent sponsors running and its stock plummeting. The kinder, gentler WF came back with a toned-down Smackdown and a slightly toned-down, although you'd have to examine closely to notice... Raw. The only sponsor that's returned to this point after the toned down Smackdown was Burger King. But nobody really expected sponsors to come back for a few weeks. L. Brent Bazell III, whose writings on behalf of the PTC led to numerous sponsorship drops on Smackdown. Uh, basically, the draft hasn't released any more press releases like the stupid one criticising Coca-Cola for pulling out, uh, which only made them more enemies in the advertising world for no reason. But uh, yeah, Brent Bazell was rather happy to see that no one actually went flocking back, as uh, Vince thought. They had a meeting, actually, at Nitro backstage before the show started. Oh, these before. things always end well. <laughs> these are always good. The wrestlers, uh, they basically told the wrestlers that if they arrive late, they'd be fined. Sure they will. The ne- sure they will. <laughs> the next day, Lex Luger, <laughs> who doesn't like the current direction, and it takes him lots of time to convince him to do the thing he's been doing, such as the mud pit angle, which was fantastic, arrived five hours late and was not fined. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> he is the total package. Oh, with that, with that kind of rationale. I mean, sometimes you can send a message. It's not your fault if it's not picked up. Uh, Something get lost in translation. Exactly. I mean, have you heard a Luger promo? <laughs> and as for Luger getting needing to be convinced to do things, he's an artist in that when that those cameras are rolling. So he just needs motivation and get... he needs the explanation. Exactly. Like a, like a true actor, he needs what? to understand what are the most what's my character feeling yes. during these tough times, so that he can do such a great job of flying around the mud pit as he did. <laughs> what attachment do I have to this oversized mm. suit jacket? Asks Lex. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't I want to go in the mud? Yeah. And just what's the deal with these shoulder pads? <laughs> While Steve Austin's wrestling career may not be over, the odds are still very long on him participating as a wrestler on the upcoming WrestleMania. The current plans for Austin are to undergo spinal surgery in Cleveland in late January. Uh, the WF received word on December 7th that the surgeon, due to a cancellation, was moving the surgery from the originally planned February date. After the surgery, his neck will be immobilised for about six weeks when it can be examined to see how much, if any, permanent damage has been done to the neck and spine. Of course, Austin is out for the foreseeable future here in December, and uh, 
Not looking too good for WrestleMania. Boy, do I miss him. <laughs> yeah, as things stand right now, the WWF is planning on a Triple H versus Rock main event at WrestleMania in the Anaheim Pond. From this vantage point, it would seem logical to hold off the Rock's winning of the title up until that day, so there will be a carrot dangling for the fans wanting that as the best way to increase the buy rate and make the show seem special. Seems like a sound idea to me. Sounds like Perf- a I was gonna say, just perfectly logical. Mm. Rock winning on the big show. Think yeah. that would make sense, and as we see this, well, apart from next week, actually, no, this whole month he's just completely not in the title picture of conversation, or which which is great in one respect. It's kind of not great in terms of if you're a rock fan and you're tuning in to see him interacting in the big picture because um, he's so downplayed this month. But keeping him out of the picture while the, that picture needs to get that scene gets set, WCW wouldn't do that. No. <laughs> You know, it's a particularly ballsy move from the company, considering Austin's not here. They just don't they give didn't a fuck. rush to the rock. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't give a fuck about WCW I mean, at this point. That, 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 that's this is the biggest sign for me. They are prepared to try and get the Triple H angle over without the pressure of Rock being in there to spike numbers. Let, let's use Vince. The, the man name will be there the, 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 um, on the opposite side to hold up that bargain and just let things percolate a little bit and fall into place for Mania. In theory, in theory, in theory, it's good. Also on December 7th, it's time for a wry smile, lads. Several WCW wrestlers were named in a New York Daily News article on the indictment of the Gold Club. (laughs) A popular strip club in Atlanta, which was known for its regular clientele of pro athletes, mentioned in the record seized by federal agents were Randy Savage, (laughs) Diamond Dallas Page, Scott Steiner, Hey. Kevin Nash hey. Perry Saturn <laughs> and Eric Bischoff of course uh, he was how the fuck did Saturn get in I want to show you the rings <laughs> he was an Atlanta guy wasn't he yeah but still uh, you wouldn't hang around him if, you, if he Ray, Raven was a regular uh, frequenter as well uh, so he, he got in with a buddy he probably yeah. so it had a sleazy element to it then quite clearly well obviously if Raven's there yeah. <laughs> I mean, Eric Bischoff's there what more do you want you know he's the fucking king of sleaze anyway I thought it was just for men die job made him look distinguished <laughs> also same day December 7th standards and practices really came down hard on WCW before the thunder tapings there were many things on the show done away with including Ronda Singh doing a match against Evan Courageous for the Cruiserweight title and if she lost she was going to have to say that she'd strip on TV forget the notion of Ronda Singh stripping she clearly doesn't meet the weight classification for the belt. Also, Jim Duggan had a match planned with Asia. Standards and practices pretty much banned any more man versus woman matches or angles. I can see why Russo would want to do that, though. Because, you know, it's Mr. USA, Jim Duggan, against Asia. Oh, I get it, yeah. Yeah, you see it? War of the Worlds type thing, you know? Oh, I see, yes. Uh, yeah. Both baby faces. Asia's not. She's a heel. Oh, Re- sorry, I was thinking of... She, she's part of the Rev- revolution, sorry. which apparently yeah. is now a country. They have seceded, like, <laughs> like Pretoria in Family Guy, <laughs> and, and have about as many members, actually, as, as that did. And it's about as positive as cooking with mustard gas. <laughs> WC3 are planning on bringing back the Varsity Club, which will be Jim Duggan, Mike Rotunda, Rick Steiner, and Kevin Sullivan. Steve Williams may wind up back with that bunch at some point as well. May as well give it the old college try, I suppose. <laughs> oh, Carl. Oh, I'll throw an extra 50 pence in your check this week. <laughs> That'll take my grand total up to 50p. Thank you. 
keep, you, keep cashing those checks. Why are the Varsity Club? Why are they doing this? It's Sullivan. Mike Rutter. It's Sullivan. Sullivan. It's I Sullivan. wonder. I, I have a theory on this, actually. Can I just say quickly? Please do. And obviously, we'll, we'll get to Rotunda when he comes back. He's not as fat as I thought he would be. No, again, he was, he was in better shape than I thought. Yeah, maybe because I'm sort of picturing how he looks these days, because, you know, he does look like Bray Wyatt's father <laughs> in terms of the, the size of yes, the man. Yes, Bray is indeed his father's son at this yes, point. Yeah. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, but yeah, no, don't I? Oh, he actually still looks like he's in wrestling shape. Yeah. Still Rick don't Steiner. want to see you, though. But... Rick Steiner. Oh, man, Rick Steiner. There's a match in January that we'll get to. <laughs> Fuck. To answer your question, Liam, I don't know why the Varsity Club's on this show. There's a lot of talent, air quotes, on this show <laughs> that's just got no business being on television befuddling it's, the misfits we're looking at you befuddling David Flair David, I'm, I'll see more of the older guys it's like no. getting oh, used to, again to be brutally honest David Flair has more upside to him than the misfits yeah yeah. at least I believe David Flair's crazy man gimmick I don't believe the misfits. He, he, he's, he's a crazy man gimmick who's shit yeah. he's portrayed as being shit yeah, and, and in that sense it works I think I could beat up the misfits on my own and I'm not a tough man <laughs> I think that this was a... I would love a fight with Jerry only. Oh, yeah. Mate. They're, they're the very definition of, let's start a bang because we can't get any girls. I would hold him by... Yeah. His... <laughs> I, would, I would hold his stupid fringe in one hand and just pummel his face with my other fist. It would be... Boom. Well, as we saw when they had a fight... Pop. As they had a fight with Buff Bagwell, you didn't even have to hit him. You can miss and he'll still fall down anyway. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I want to see what happens. In fairness, Karen, Pulp are probably tougher than them. <laughs> the bands, yeah. Oh, Jarvis Cocker would beat the shit out of Jerry only. No chance. Easy. <laughs> and then bend over while he's doing it. And then waft in his face. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, that'll get over. Yeah, it would. I mean, the th- thing is, I don't like Vampiro in the first instance. Yeah, he's awful. Let alone it? when you're sticking with this bunch. This breed. Yeah. My theory on this, that the existence of the Varsity Club, is that th- there's, there's rumblings this month about people getting at Russo and kind of you know spreading the, the word that this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about and I wonder if this is Vinnie Rue's way of trying to placate Sullivan in a way of like okay we're gonna, I'm going to put you on television and you focus on that yes. and don't worry so much about me and the booking side of things he's playing politics yeah. just like anyone else trying to win some friends and get some support in his corner yeah. that's all it is so that turns out for him in a month um, Perry Satin was on Live Audio Wrestling on December 11th and said that since the, cre- the uh, new creative team took over there has not yet been one good television show <laughs> oh the, Perry well there hadn't been multiple prior to them either well but he's not wrong he's, he's not wrong no not wrong at all uh, Mick Foley and the WWF are talking about extending his career as a regular wrestler and added two or so months from the original plan. Uh, the plan as of last week was that he'd wrestle through the Royal Rumble and make an announcement at that show that he'd be leaving for a while and come back uh, with his new role sometime down the line. So of course we talked about this in our last timeline where Foley was originally going to retire at the end of November quite suddenly and quite abruptly because of the Austin injury and the timing of that. It was a uh, stick around for a few more months. Which brings us now to Sunday, December the 12th. It's WWF Armageddon on pay-per-view. 15,790... Sorry, let's try that again. Which brings to Sunday, December 12th. It's WWF Armageddon. 15,749 fans selling out the building. A 0.94 buy rate for 352,000 buys. Interesting number. How does that... Um, I wouldn't want to... Com- I'm sort of putting you on the spot here, I admit, and... I wouldn't want to compare it to the Survivor Series number because Survivor Series at this point probably still has a bit more of a, a pull from a historic standpoint and considering 
what they were actually promoting the show to be prior to the baby <laughs> switch. Yes. So I just wondered how this compared to, say, a No Mercy or an Unforgiven. Do we have those? Yeah, so so Unforgiven didn't do too great because that was the six-pack challenge and was a bit of a mishmash and not exactly very focused build. No Mercy did around this level a 0.9-ish. So this is kind of in line, but nothing spectacular considering mm. the amount of TV time it's been given. This is like a month-long blow off Vince versus Triple H true but I suppose with, with Austin missing you know mm-hmm. the, and, and their plan to and Rock not keep, featured keep, really keep Rock at a, at a certain level because they don't want to rush things going to Mania you, you, you know you'd probably take that in fairness wouldn't you it's not, not a bad you outcome know, I, you, I, 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 almost, almost a one with no main event face leading the show is I think it's very respectable yeah, I mean, it, it, it probably goes to show the, the products at this point the product can the, 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 the company is, is they're so proud of today is um, the feeling towards it is uh, strong enough to draw on its own to, to a degree mm. more, more than WCW anyway so. well, I, 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 don't, I don't mean to use this as necessarily a, a critique of the creative although whilst I'm, I'm not the biggest Triple H fan or anything like that it's it's probably a, a good example of how the WF at this point in 99 much like WCW sort of 18 months prior can just book a show off the strength of the name, yeah, buy rates in in ninety eight for WCW were still doing very well, irrespective of whether or not the, the quality of the shows was anywhere near you know sort of anywhere near meriting the number they got. Yeah. So uh, a few things of I guess note on this show: Triple H beats Vince in a fucking <laughs> never ending brawl. It's about forty five minutes. Is it, is it forty five? I don't think it's that long. It, it felt long. I think I watched it back. I think by the I'd say half an hour. I'm gonna, actually, I'll check the time. You, you discuss the match. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm exaggerating there, but it just yeah, it does feel like such a long time in between the entrances. Vince wandering around the back, telling the ref, "You go check in this corner." Yeah, while they're playing hide and seek in the car park. The, yeah, the car park spot with the, the jumping over the barricade was 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 something else. Yeah, wasn't it just? Um, and of course, Triple H sells, and you know, because he's not dealing with any mere mortal here; he's dealing with a McMahon. There was obviously there was actually a bit of a story of before the show when they were going to do a big stunt where uh, Vince was going to fall off the scaffold onto a pit, and Triple H was lying there at the time. He landed on Triple H's knee and hyperextended it the day <laughs> of the show. So this was a, this was a slower effort than it would have been anyway because Triple H couldn't do that much because he, he shouldn't have wrestled because he because Vince landed on him because he he got physical with the toughest man on the planet and accidents will happen. <laughs> You cannot be within the realm of Vincent Mann and not expect this kind of shit exactly. to go down. Um, but I suppose I, I, 28-21 was the final bell-to-bell time. Bell-to-bell, okay. But there was some brawling. I guess, yeah, but by the time you throw in the, the, sort of the entrance, the celebration, if you like, at the end, with the, I don't want to spoil this for anyone, it's all a big ruse. Stephanie's in on it. Yeah. Which begs the question, she clearly wasn't date-raped. No. Right. So presumably they celebrated the night of the wedding. It was all consensual and all that jazz. So you've never been able to get it annulled. No, just throwing that out there. Never been able to but get. She it. didn't want it annulled anyway. So. Yeah, but this is always. Yeah, but suppose things happen. had gone wrong. Suppose the plan hadn't come to fruition mm. and Vince won. Mm. Then what? That's a good point. The, Legal this, issues, people. This would have to have been taken to a to a court, I feel, and someone would have to decide which is more honourable: a wedding, a marriage. Or a wrestling stipulation. Which one was more flexible in 1999? Do we feel? I don't know, but I feel like we should get the police in to investigate the same ones that did the uh, Snooker murder. 
Oh boy. <laughs> Too soon? Yeah, well, I think you've been up the briefcase, now which way this one's going, but. Uh, yeah. Alleged, we should say alleged. Alleged, yes. Miss Kitty wins the Women's Championship and then just gets them out for the lads. I do like them apples, Brent. Yeah. <laughs> it's pay per view, so you can't do shit. Um, I, it, a lot of this stuff, not being a. A, a teenager or, or, or a, 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 you know a young adult anymore watching it back there is no rhyme or reason for it it's just gratuitous no. nudity and, and <laughs> bear, bear in mind that the build up before that with Michael Cole going to the interview with BB the nurse oh yes as he, as he you know more or less just drools over her was Bob Holly lingering around at the time I don't know his anus probably was though <laughs> um, but yeah, outside of the, the, the Stephanie reveal in the, in the main event not really an awful lot to talk about on this show. What about Big Show finally avenging Andre by, by getting back at the Big Show in 3 minutes and 16 seconds of, of a world title match for the ages? It was an inexplicable hit with the stairs. Now, if I forget, this wasn't no DQ, was it? No, was I think it? so. Yeah. I'm just thinking it might have ended things quicker for us, you know? <laughs> and the other thing of um, note here, Chris Jericho wins the Intercontinental title, thank God, fuck off China, and by the way, gets as a heel, as a heel, and getting cheered, cheered out the building. Yes, that's the way it should be. So, other than that, yeah, this is the tag team battle roll with a great bump from Jeff Hardy at the start. Yeah, of the show as well. to, end, to end the show. Yeah, that's not bad. I think that was the first time I'd heard uh, the APA's entrance music at that point. I don't know if that, this is where they debuted it. What would go? I, I think it was. And yeah. I remember just thinking, oh, I quite like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, makes a nice change from the old Ministry one. Dun, 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 yeah, I was not sad to see the back of that. On Monday morning, the day after Armageddon, the WF sent out a press release which read, During the World Wrestling Federation's TV-14 rated pay-per-view event titled Armageddon on Sunday, December 12th, 1999, an overzealous Miss Kitty flashed her breasts <laughs> for less than one second in the four-corner evening gown pool match for the WWF women's title. We promise she'll hold them out for longer this <laughs> next time. I don't know. And charge won't be on the case. WWF censors immediately placed a towel over her chest. The WWF apologises for this unauthorised exposure. <laughs> Was it really unauthorised? Dave Meltzer editorialises to script something like this, with the stock prices plummeting due to the bad publicity, and figure that it wasn't a risk not worth taking this week, may show that while Vince Man has balls the size of grapefruits, his common sense and brains are a hell of a lot smaller. Obviously, someone came down hard on him, because they immediately issued that press release claiming that she did it on her own, which was not the case. So, what the fuck would you do? This? Again, real life, I'm going to find a way here to just fucking prove that you're not going to stop me from doing what I want to do. Because I'm Vince McMahon, and you're a nobody. Yeah. Alpha Entertainment Jack. <laughs> I love it. It's all part of the latest movie. Yeah. I always did wonder about this, though, whether, um, who was in on it, I could, because it, it's one of the things I can imagine Lawler, Lawler coming up, Lawler, with yeah. Lawler and Kitty in bed, because I want to be a star. You're doing great, you're doing, you're doing fine. Oh, I want to be a star. Get your tits out. Let's do it. Yeah. And Jer- Jerry, Louisa, yeah, I'm taking her home every night. <laughs> Obviously, Sarge is in on it because he's there, with the primed towel. with the towel ready. Mm-hmm. Could have just used his chin, but that's another matter, <laughs> or his gut for that matter. Yeah, yeah, he's still ordering those cheeseburgers, Steve. <laughs> the next day it's, uh, we'll, we'll start with Raw this time December 13th Jericho comes out and uh, X-Pac interrupts him and it's almost as if they kind of 
have turned Jericho babyface without turning him, it feels like. Yeah, but I... It's like looking into the future. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say this one I didn't care because this felt like this is where the icy title and Jericho should be. Yes. Nice little feud of Park would have just been so wonderful. It would have been delicious at this point. Just just as... um, as a quick aside, because we talk about stipulation, heavy pay-per-views, there's still sort of the the, the sort of stench of Russo in some respects when you got the main event and you have the, the cage match as well, you know, a battle royal thrown in there. There's sort of the, the gimmicky elements are all still, the, the traces are all still there within the WWF. Ten of the times, I feel. Like, yeah. It seems like there's a lot yeah. of that. I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, with with Russo, Russo with Russo over at WCW, it's to the nth degree. Yeah, is it ever? It makes no sense or rhyme or reason half the time in WCW. Mm. That's the difference. But it's just, just yeah, I suppose it's just a indicative of the times, as you say, Liam. Chris Jericho wrestled the match as a babyface as well against X Pac when China ran in and hit the ref for no reason, and somehow Jericho was awarded the win. Mm. I'm not sure about this one. Probably should have been in a no contest. I I would say no contest. Mm. Um. Yeah, I'm not, not so sure about that. Um, Mark Henry is shown in bed, <laughs> exhausted, sweating profusely after the most exciting sexual encounter of his life. Sexual chocolate. With Mae Young. Who's Se- sexual chocolate. Sexual chocolate. Who is smoking a cigar, by the way, Mae Young after... Uh, yeah. Randy Watson was proud. <laughs> sexual chocolate! <laughs> Vince arrived with a sledgehammer and pounded a door that... Read- not in the scene with Mae Young... <laughs> Yeah, 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 let's let's just be clear. Yeah, he ended with a sledgehammer and pounded on a door that read DX. Here's uh, Vinny. Here's Vinny. Vince got to the ring and called out Triple H, and he goes, "Come out here, you rapist!" <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was good. Come out here, you son of a bitch! Call him a rapist. Something they didn't do rape in the WWF, but uh, apparently he's a rapist. Yeah. So Stephanie comes out with a new look, the crimped hair, and this was probably. This is easily the best promo she's ever done. Oh, yeah. And this actually holds up as one of the best ones she would ever do because I love this. Whoever scripted this had their fucking head screwed on. I thought it was fucking great. Uh, basically saying that Vince used her earlier yeah. in the year to get at Steve Austin and orchestrate the whole kidnapping from The, the Undertaker, that, yeah. the ministry bullshit, the where f- to Stephanie, where to Stephanie, the black wedding, all that fucking crazy shit to try and get to Austin. And basically saying that she was waiting the year to get back at him and that Triple H, her husband, was the only one who stood up to Vince and kept outsmarting him the whole time so that she did the one thing that would drive him crazy and married him. Fans chanted, slut, they're ready for this. Yep. They were ready for the heel turn. And yep. we really kind of breezed past it at arm again, but the moment where she gets that little cheeky smile on her face and then goes up to Triple H, Hogan. it is great. It's so well done. It is, and I think it was because she wasn't... Um, I, I guess maybe... Because it was subtly done, it wasn't. She didn't, you know, lay out Vince with a low blow. No. You know, it was, it was subtly done, and it it just made it. It just, it just, it was just nice. It was, it felt right. It was the right kind of level of. I'm trying to think of the, the phrase now. It just fit. It just fit yeah. nice. It's like back to what's happened, all that bullshit, and it's like it made sense. It made sense in some respect of that bullshit. It's like, yes, but bearing in mind you've managed to get a nice logical conclusion out of. Yeah. What was the summer of '99? <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's like being given a jigsaw puzzle. I mean, okay, let's sit down and fucking have a crack at this, and let's really try and make some. I've been sense working on these bloody corners for months. <laughs> it's not a corner. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a bloody uh, circular jigsaw. Yeah, so this is a. Uh, of course, Vince and Shane. Vince is crestfallen after hearing this, and him and Shane leave the building. 
with Triple H and Stephanie in charge of the show. So yeah, great segment here. Uh, Rock and Mankind as the team beat the Dudley Boys. This is a bit of an interesting one. First by disqualification when the referee was bumped, and another referee, this one in a Vince mask, counts Foley out. It's revealed to be Al Snow. Uh, Rock then hits the Rock Bottom on Bubba, and another referee counts the fall. So I'm assuming the Rock and Mankind won here. Assuming. A lot of chair shots in this match. Mm. Bubba takes a fucking few, and he's bleeding at one point as well, and it's like... This is no one remembers this, mate. <laughs> Neither does he. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to say, but no one remembers this. And uh, yeah, there's there's a few this month. <laughs> fucking Pete Gas takes one later. It might, it might be this episode actually. It is this episode where Pete Gas gets fucking brained by Bradshaw with a steel chair. The crowd is not reacting one bit to this acolytes Mean Street Posse match that's on this show. Bradshaw just gets a chair and just fucking lamps him. And I, I remember this chair shot because the seat folds around Pete Gas's head. Yeah. Oh god, it's nasty. Yeah. Fucking oh Bradshaw. Belly. <laughs> what a dick. What yeah. a dick. <laughs> yeah, with these complete rookies just I'm gonna fucking lamp you because yeah. I don't like you. Um the cat beats Toy w- Tory, not Toy Wilson, in a pudding match when X Pac comes out in scuba gear <laughs> and causes a distraction. This leads to Kane coming out and slipping all over his own fucking feet and the outlaws arrive and everyone's falling all over the chocolate pudding and it's a shit show but the big show beats the boss man and Albert and an awful idea for a main event I don't know what they were thinking the outlaws versus Triple H no Test and a mystery partner which ends up being Triple H and wouldn't you know who won the pony <laughs> Triple H turns on Test no he did honestly Steph slaps him they battered him with more chair shots there you I go mean, I mean at, at this point you know he's just flogging a dead horse literally <laughs> yeah <laughs> He was already put out to pasture the previous week. If there was any lingering doubt, even at that stage, you needed one though when uh, when Steph puts the uh, the fork in him. Yeah, to solidify her turn. So. she's the one that's doing it, I suppose. Yeah, there was a kick in the balls there to be. Done. I would have done the one the week before. Yeah, and I would have done this one better. But yeah, this one's okay. Yeah, kicked him a little bit stronger the first time, maybe, and this would have had a bit more resonance. But uh, oh well, let's move now. To December 13th on Nitro. We're back with WCW as Kieran's head falls to his hands. Can you believe it? It's the go-home show for Starcade, so you know they're going to be hitting the, the big points hard here. Oh, boy. Jeff Jarrett and Chris Benoit brawl backstage, throwing each other into the doors to start the show. Uh, Jeff Jarrett then guitar... Uh, after the brawl, obviously the, the credits roll. Jeff Jarrett comes out and hits the maestro and the artist with the guitar. This is the debut of the artist. Has the maestro had a match yet? This is his first, I think. Okay. Least it feels like it's his first. Maybe he has something with the, no. He did, he's maybe, been around for months. He's been around for ages. It feels like, but yeah, he got a paycheck, and they, yet they didn't give Tory Wilson two hundred and fifty grand a year. Well, they've already bought his piano, so you know, uh, yeah, I suppose so. so. Uh, Bret Hart does an interview. Babyface Bret Hart and gets booed when he says that Goldberg wouldn't beat him. Uh, Goldberg came out, followed by Hall and Nash, to set up a tag title match main event. Of course, I should mention here, Goldberg and Bret won the tag titles on Thunder. With uh, from Creative Control, which had some of the best commentary from Juventud Guerrero that I remember, which was fucking hell. Brett puts the sharpshooter on one while Goldberg does the jackhammer, and Hubion comes in, oh man, double finishes, that's so cool! <laughs> with, with, with special guest referee Rowdy Roddy Piper. Of course. Nitro Girl Spice beats Medusa. Horrible. Horrible. Horrible match. Ronda Singh dresses as a Nitro Girl, then beats them up and dances. 
Jeff Jarrett beats Chris Benoit in a bunkhouse match when Dustin Rhodes runs in and Jarrett hits both Rhodes and Benoit with a guitar. So that's four. What, what baby faces they yeah. are. <laughs> oh, we, we should do this now. There should be, there should be a, um, a, a keeping, keeping score of Jeff Jarrett's guitar breaks. We should have done it on, at the start. Like just on, <sighs> in our time. Like we've dropped the ball there. You need a sound drop anyway. Yeah, hi, and I great. Yeah, you are great. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. Damn it. God, I want to think of this stuff afterwards. Get pious enough. At this point, at this. I point, drink a lot. <laughs> at this point, how is Jarrett coming off? Is he coming off like he's like? That was, star that was second rate. Um, I, I so I'm kind of lead too early. Second rate, just desperate to get any kind of any kind of reaction. Hence the. Uh, Look at me! I really can be a star. Yeah, hence the uh, uh, overuse of his musical instrument. Tank Abbott goes to a double count out with Meng. Yeah, that's actually exactly what I wrote down in that noise you just made. Uh, when Abbott threw a punch and Meng stayed up, says Melter, they might as well have taken his 300 grand a year deal and given that money to charity because then it at least would do somebody some good. Or Tory Wilson. Or Tory Wilson, probably would have a better idea. So who's 300 grand a year? Tank Abbott. Okay. Now they have to pay him and all he'll bring to the table is no heat, no ability, no money, no ratings and bad matches. Jerry Flynn's in the block when Norman Smiley, uh, sorry, with Smiley, when Abbott shows up because men got bored of fighting. So, there you go. Tank. In the block. Beside the ratings. To start, to start a red hot feud with Jerry Flynn. Which goes several weeks, as I remember from watching this. Um, yeah, so Sid Vicious, to heat him up for Starcade, beats Dr. Death clean with a powerbomb. Williams' offence was fucking terrible in this match. He tried to do a backdrop driver on Sid and Sid just laughed at it. Was this powerbomb versus suplex or something? They, that's what to they get, were saying. To get ready. Oh, okay. They kept saying that. They do that a lot. They, yeah, <laughs> it's powerbomb versus suplex. He tries to do the suplex, he laughs at him, he powerbombs him. And and there you go. That's it, yeah. I suppose. Cool. To get over the powerbomb match for Starcade with oh. Sid and Nash. Is that better or worse than being knocked out by Bart Gunn? Probably... Better. <laughs> I think if you asked him which one he'd rather do again, I think he probably would say, you but know what? As you said, he probably can't remember getting knocked out, so there's a, an upside to it. Mm. So that's another act that's been killed there, Dr. Death. They were trying to protect him a little while, it seemed like. Over now. Well, come on, let's, let's not pretend they were actually protecting the guy. No, well, I suppose He not. was a vehicle for Ed Ferrara's push. Yeah. Sting, Sting and DDP beat David Flair and Lex Luger. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. was a vehicle for the push of Ed Ferrara imitating Jim Ross mocking facial paralysis well they can't do that anymore so they did the thing where they put where the misfits poured the barbecue sauce on his face to explain that it had, brought, it had uh, relieved the paralysis That's, that was the story we were telling from Vincent Russo <laughs> no stone unturned <laughs> well he has to cover all of his bases <laughs> logic 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 <laughs> It all goes back to logic, it bro. It starts and ends with logic, bro. Yeah, so I'm going to read this team out again. David Flair and Lex Luger. <laughs> a total package and no package. <laughs> Versus Sting and DDP. David Flair hits Luger with a crowbar because Luger threw his stuffed animal head into the crowd. Wait, just a second. Is DDP a face now? I don't think so. Why is he thinking with Sting? And I thought David Flair was kind of a face now. Yeah, kind of. It doesn't make any sense to me. Chris Canyon returns as Chris Champagne Canyon with floozies and Mr. Big, Clarence Mason, is back in, a, in your wrestling world. Always like Clarence. <laughs> Always got a little bit of a kick out of Clarence when he was in the air, uh, the nation. But uh, yeah, and he beats Bam Bam Bigelow, by the way, Chris Canyon. I miss Canyon on this show. 
I like Canyon. God damn it. Um, when did the Jersey Triad split up? When uh, DDP couldn't be asked to do it anymore. And they pissed off to film a bit of Ready to Rumble. Yeah, no, so, so they didn't split. They never no, split. No, they just, no. Okay. And that was part of the thing on the show was big old being like, hey, my Jersey boy Canyon's I'm, here. And then Canyon's gone Hollywood because he right. was a stunt double for Jimmy King in Ready to Rumble. <laughs> okay. He's made it big now. Yeah. <laughs> And, and bearing in mind that the Jersey Tried was really a thing before Russo took over, and you know this is this is Mister Reset himself. So we should be grateful that, even, that there was even the alluding to the fact that they were partners at one stage. Mm, okay. It's more than we normally okay, get. Okay, fine. Paul Orndorff <laughs> versus Creative Control, and another one. Yeah, this match happened, folks. Paul Orndorff versus Creative Control. Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco ran in to help Paul Orndorff beat the former tag team champions. So. Handicapped Paul Orndorff was saved by stalling Larry Zabisco and, and, also and handicapped Arn Anderson. <laughs> Take that, Harris boys. You're worth a sacks of shit. I just, I just, the, the, I'm assuming this must have been another one of the sort of the Russo political side of things. Trying to get oh, the Paul, office guys on hey, side. Paul, I'm going to put you on TV as well. You know, Arn, you're an agent. I'll put you on TV. I can't. I can't. Have this how this feels. All this. It's, all these agents yeah. getting back on television. Just, yeah, playing the game. Though no, 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 I'm generally you know, always happy to see on at least. Yeah, on and Larry running to help Paul win. But Mark Johnson, your favourite referee, Carl reverses. Slick. Slick Johnson reverses the decision. Uh, finally, in our main event, Scott Hall and Kevin. Oh, Bret Hart gets like injured in one of those attacks oh, we yeah. don't see backstage. So it's supposed to be Hall and Nash versus Goldberg and Brett. Um, yeah, so Hart's injured, but no one actually sees what happens. Uh, Goldberg was facing both guys when Brett limps out. Uh, Nash was apparently supposed to like KO Brett with a belt, but missed the belt shot, so Hart didn't sell it. Goldberg stood there forever, waiting to spear Scott Hall. Nash stood there forever with his thumb up his ass until he hit Hart in the knee with a belt. Uh, since Hall and Goldberg were the legal men, the referee counted as Nash pinned Hart. The fans pelted the ring with garbage. And after I watched the show, I wrote down in all giant capital letters, this was the go-home. <laughs> yeah, what a way to make your uh, your champion hell. and number one contender look strong. What matches on this show got... You know, what, what, what's the card for Starcade? you got Sid Nash in the Powerbomb Challenge, where you've got you've had Nash and Hall Powerbomb Sid on this show, by the way, after the, the Doctor Death match. Hart versus Goldberg with no heat between them. The block is on the show for some reason, despite the fact that there is no reference to it at Starcade. No, we get that, though. Fucking hell. Ronda Singh is the night trigger. Ronda Singh, who is not on Starcade. No. Yeah, so this is a. Uh, it's getting depressing here for. Uh, it, uh, Was there uh, any interaction between Scott Hall and Benoit considering they are wrestling at Starcade? Uh, not that I've written down here, but that's not to say it didn't happen. There's very good chance that I just cut it out of the report Something because. Might have been said at some point. Chris Benoit was probably wearing one of those snazzy shirts that you stole out of Shane Douglas's wardrobe. <laughs> Where's. Where's Duggan and the Revolution? Considering again, that's a match at Starcade. Let's not pretend that nothing happened. I didn't. I edited notes of this show because I couldn't. If I wrote it all down, I usually say at the start of the show I've got ten pages of notes. If I wrote everything that happened on these shows down, it'd be about twenty. That's there fair. Was so much. That's going fair on. enough. There is so much going on on these Russo shows. None of it good. <laughs> I actually. I'm, this is not a word of a lie. I printed out my own notes of this. Really? I, uh, and um, not my own night notes. I couldn't paste. Because there were so many fucking matches on, on Nitro and the Starcade. <laughs> I couldn't remember from one show to another. I printed it out both shows. 69 pages. Honestly. I swear to God. 69 they, do, they, do they monitor your printing at work? Yeah, <laughs> I'm a printer monitor. <laughs> <laughs> you also in printing, bro. Just have a word. Carl, man, I'm telling you. 69 pages of notes. That feels like it doesn't sum it up. And what was the text that you sent me about Starcade, by the way? 
Uh, we'll, we'll come to that. We'll come to that. <laughs> Ratings. Raw did a 6.1 to Nitro's 2.8. Hmm, the ratings are going down to Starcade, that's an ominous sign. The Vince Stephanie Triple H interview segment and the Rock interview did a 6.5 rating, beating Nitro's 2.1. For the ending of Heat and Midnight vs. Revolution in Asia, the Angle reintroducing Paul Orndorff and his later firing, the Finley Brian Nobbs vignette and Jerry Flynn in the block with Smiley and Tank Abbott, that's, that's all going on in one quarter against The Rock. Quarter. The Rock and Triple H. That, that, all that in 15 minutes of a three hour show Raw's peak rating actually was for the Rock and Mankind versus the Dudleys which had a 6.6 beating Nitro's 2.1 for Big Money Sid Vicious versus Dr. Death Steve Williams Chris Benoit's fault yeah <laughs> the only sign of life for the night for WCW is that they did get viewers to switch from Raw to their main events as Goldberg and Hart versus Hall and Nash drew to a 3.3 while the finish of Triple H and Tess versus the Outlaws fell to a 5.8 Raw's rating actually Test fault Test fault obviously Raw's rating actually dropped despite coming off the pay-per-view with a big angle with Triple H and Steph uh, the bottom line for Nitro and people can explain away this fact all they want it was the lowest rated show since Russo and Ferrara came in and the second lowest Nitro in the past three years on the go home show for Starcade. So uh, there you go. And in the UK, by the way, justice is being served because Raw has 290,000 viewers to Nitro's 160. Bye. Fucking time. Yeah. Well, there's no Hogan on the show anymore. Yeah. Nitro to, 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 to kind of balance That's the evenings out. Uh, yeah, it's 3.3. And imagine it might have been an idea to make your champion and one contender look good going into the. Your theory, your biggest show of the year, or build some heat going into the into the match the first time round, rather than using it just as a vehicle for the, the for, story for, going for, for Nash. Yeah. The next day, something interesting happens at the SmackDown tapings. It's December fourteenth. There's an argument backstage between Vincent Mann and Chris Jericho. Uh, McMahon criticised Jericho's ring work as it regards psychology in the ring along with his timing and persona uh, Jericho apparently got right back and didn't back down to Vince recognising or believing that McMahon was actually falling for the DX line much of which is identical to the Kevin Nash line when he was in WCW as to why Jericho can't make it as a main eventer there was criticism that Jericho was getting over as a face while the role he was intended for was to be a heel Although there is a feeling that a lot of that is because of the situations the company has put Jericho in. It's been pretty clear from almost the start that DX has gotten word to McMahon and others with the belief that Jericho wasn't ready for main events and wasn't a good worker. Uh, Some is because of their claim that he potatoed China uh, at Armageddon. Uh, Triple H on the Thanksgiving Smackdown looked at one of the homeless people uh, as they were walking around the streets and made a comment about one of them being a loser like Bam Bam Bigelow and said the other one just can't work just like Jericho. Uh, Jericho was uh, told to work with X-Pac for lessons on wrestling psychology by well, Vince okay. which is why that match I'm guessing happened the next night after Armageddon and then the, this, this blow up happens at the Smackdown tapings where basically Jericho's called to the room with just Jim Ross and Vince in there which makes you question who the source for this story was by the way <laughs> <laughs> yes Jim Meltzer's good friend Ross was there on the scene to, to let him know what happened but yeah this, this is the Jericho writes about this in his second book about Vince just grilled him and says I was sold a bill of goods when you came here and your contract's not worth the paper it's written on. What the hell's wrong with you hitting a girl like that and stuff like that? <laughs> After Vince originally told Jericho, just because she's a girl, don't work light on her. Okay. And then... There's this, there's, a, there's talk about how... after In Jericho's book, how after he comes back from the match at Armageddon, he walks into Triple H, China, and Vince standing together talking. And as he walks into the room, they all just stop and stare at him. <laughs> 
Like, I wonder what they're talking about and I wonder what just happened. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, just... Well, if, if anyone's going to be wise to the con, it's going to be Jericho, as you say. He's had experience of it elsewhere, so he's going to see the signs. I think and, exactly and, what's and going if, on. And right if they're now. as completely unsubtle as that, well then, you know. Stands to reason you don't even need to be. You don't even need to have experienced it in the past to know what the fuck's going on there, do you? No, pretty sad state of affairs. But hey, these fucking heels that just that they, they they work like babyface and get cheered isn't that disgraceful? It's disgusting. Oh fuck! Say nothing of the fact that China is eminently unlikable in the role of babyface. Yeah, like who the fuck thought this was going to work out anyway? Yeah. Testosterone. Okay, I'll, I'll let me be careful how I phrase this, but yeah, you know, where's this going? <laughs> But yeah, you know, your key demographic at this point is, is your eighteen to thirty-four year old testosterone-filled. Want to see you know guys who are cool, hot women, that sort of you know, hullabaloo and all that sort of thing. Hullabaloo. <laughs> well, I didn't say I was cool. <laughs> um, so you put Jericho in there, who they liked in the first instance anyway. Didn't he got, he got cheered in his interactions with The Rock. Don't get me wrong, The Rock was you know, streets ahead in that regard, but he was still cheered. So they don't want to boo him. So they put him in there with China, who for the most part has been a heel. Was booed against Jarrett in, in well, yeah. some circles. Was, was booed at times in her previous <laughs> programmes. It's not as if you're not be, you've not been forewarned there. Yeah, and she beat Jarrett at Survivor Series. Yeah, outrageous. exactly. But we know the truth. The truth is they have completely misread the audience and it's either admit it, we're wrong, or... Fuck you, you're or, wrong. Or we'll accept the shit that Triple H is spewing in my ear and say, yeah, that's the reason this hasn't worked how we envisioned because it's your fault, yeah. not the whole thing was flawed from the start. That's all it is. Yeah. Meltzer has a piece here saying, no matter what you hear elsewhere, at this point, WCW is internally going with the idea that it's Vince Russo's game and they are giving him plenty of time to turn things around. Hang himself. <laughs> Give him enough rope, quite literally. There are internal games being played, and one person close to the situation said it's back to everyone being out for themselves and almost nobody thinking about the company as a whole. I didn't know that ever changed. No, from, from I From what I've seen, I've, I've never really noticed that being any different. But uh, no. I guess this whole, no matter what you hear elsewhere, is kind of offhandedly referencing the fact that there is a lot of talk going about everyone being out to get Russo now. And, of course, this coinciding with everybody working their way back on the air is quite curious but uh, there you go and of course a week later Tori Wilson does in fact end up signing a two year contract with WCW so <laughs> way to hold out guys do we have a number uh, I can probably find it but it's not on, the, not on these papers I'll, I'll check on intermission what her contract it, ends up being it would just be typical I'm sure it would be typical WCW if she like, signed for 300,000 yeah. <laughs> exactly what I love it to be <laughs> The Larry Zabisco angle and dialogue was said to be virtually entirely Larry's idea. Given to Russo several weeks ago, the plan is to get a group of older wrestlers with Arn Anderson as their manager. Zabisco will be one, and names being talked about for the other slots include Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Paul Orndorff, and Roddy Piper to feud with the group representing Russo. Oh, God. That's what they shall need, the baby! The American dream, if you will. So is he back with the company at this point? No, he's still he's, technically shit canned. He's, he's, he's shit canned, but his name's floating around two months later because that's how much thought they put into this stuff. So that's the big plan to take on the attitude here. <laughs> 
It appears the revolution was given the anti-American angle with uh, Shane Douglas doing the talking because Bret Hart did not want to do it as part of his upcoming heel turn. Bret has agreed to basically use the Montreal deal as an angle at Starcade, which has been Russo's big plan from day one for shooting the big angle. That's that's the plan. That's what it's all building to. The big plan. Montreal, since it was the thing that set the stage for the WWF's comeback back in 1997. That was when it wasn't an angle and circumstances were unique, and after two years of WWF trying to mimic it to death in angles themselves. That was easy for me to say, but yeah. Uh, that's the big idea. That's the big idea. And we'll see if they do it. We don't know yet. It's all in the execution. Let's, it is all let, in the let's execution. Let's see how this plays out. How many times have you seen something on a spoiler website and it turns out to be shit art? That rhetorical question. <laughs> it looks as though the WWF is going with Triple H versus Mick Foley, perhaps as Mankind or perhaps as Cactus Jack, as the co-main event for the Royal Rumble. The feeling, the feeling is, by the way, we're talking about this. The Big Show's still the champ at this point, by yeah. the way. The feeling is that Big Show wasn't ready for the title, although he really only got it in the first place because they felt they needed to shoot a new start at the top immediately and give people a happy ending at Survivor Series because the people were being screwed on the Austin false advertising. Well, I'm sure Big Show was happy about it, but I don't think anyone else was really. Even his mom didn't seem too thrilled. No. no. That episode of Raw. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, shooting you start at the top. We heard the candidates. It was Big Show, Kane, or Test that they were going to put in that spot. So I think Kane would have been the best of the three. <laughs> at least he was actually feuding with DX at the time. The Nitro. I mean, I mean, no. <laughs> just, just so I can backtrack slightly, so it doesn't seem like I'm being you know positive about Kane at this point in '99. Let's just be clear. I'm talking. Like I know, and that, that that worries me for our loyal listeners. They might think something's gone wrong. They might. They, they um, actually, we're gonna get. We're gonna get emails. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's in the hate mail, folks. Um, it's just the best of a bad bunch. The best, the the best of a terrible bunch. <laughs> you could have kept it on Triple H still. It agreed. Agreed. <laughs> but you know they weren't going to do that. Is so that knowing it? that they're not going to do that. Yeah. The Nitro Girls, in particular Spice and Paisley, were making noises about wanting razors. They're signed. Uh, they signed razors or razors? Razors. Oh. They signed contracts specifically to be dancers and not performing talent. And now that they're performing talent, they want to be paid accordingly. <laughs> 300 grand. <laughs> 300 grand. Well, they saw the going rate, so, you know, they, they probably uh, wanted to jump on that. Performing is uh, 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 quite, the, quite the word to use for them. A liberal term, yes. I feel. Um, are the Nitro Girls still technically a group at this point? Well, they've broken them up, haven't they, to do their um, their kind of. I guess I don't know it makes you wonder. Yeah, they're not. Feud, I guess. Yeah, but if they're not dancing, it makes you wonder why they're actually going to shows because obviously they're not rehearsing anymore. No. Hmm. Two hundred grand a year they sell for. By the way, Tory Wilson has done some investigating. Hundred so grand per boob. That's not bad. They also they got it down fifty grand to two hundred mm. grand. So there you go. Bit of haggling. It's all, about watching the, it's all about watching the numbers, boys. Yeah, we can consider it. 100 grand per boob. Were those playing that boob, uh, Stevie Ray, like 350 grand on his own? So that's. That makes more sense. Yeah. pretty like that. Yeah, well, just, because obviously David Flair was uh, screwing Stacey Keebler at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that can't be right. That can't be that, true. That, true. That happened. That happened, Kieran. No. That yeah. happened. That happened. So. Tori Wilson actually screw him at any point or was that just storyline that's storyline I was just going to say because if she, if she had done she definally deserved the 250 straight off the bat <laughs> that's what I'm saying pity money yeah pity Can- cash cancel him <laughs> in other news Sean Stasiak the artist formerly known as Meat 
has been fired by the World Wrestling Federation. So we're about to find has, out. Has something happened in New York? Something has happened has in happened New York, in and New now York. we're about to find out. He was originally just suspended for unprofessional conduct. More specifically, though not publicised by the WWF, the conduct consisted of taping conversations he was having with wrestlers without their permission. No one seems to have an answer for why Stasiak was recording these conversations in the first place, but uh, the Torch reports that it was a, a car ride with the British Bulldog and Steve Blackman. What a think tank that must have been, by the way. Obviously breaking down the latest of all Japan tapes, I would imagine, uh, that Stasiak for some reason had recorded and when they caught him recording it it got stooged off and the officer was like we'll suspend you because you're going to get ribbed like a motherfucker for this and then they just said nope there's the door so we wouldn't see him until the glory days of Planet Stasiak in the WWF so that is officially what went down in New York and we all know now we all know what <laughs> happened in New York it was, it was better not knowing yeah. and it's just why why, why do that <laughs> he always acts as a bit of a weird bird this I know but you know, at least you know Try and set up a camera in the women's locker room or something. Yeah, you know, something worthwhile. Recording the bulldog and blackman in conversation. Well, they would have done that, but there was the sable lawsuit, so you know he had to kind of go the other direction. And I guess just he thought, what's as exhilarating as looking at these naked ladies? And then dulcet, dulcet tones of I'm bizarre. <laughs> well, at that point, uh, I probably shouldn't comment on what David was <laughs> doing during this time, but Steve Blackman, that kind of speaks for itself, I think. Vince Russo, sounding very desperate in the process, lashed out at criticism of his booking and blamed WCW's standards and practices for the fact that ratings haven't improved since his arrival this week on the WCW Live Internet Show. Russo blamed standards and practices for not allowing him to have Roddy Piper call Ronda Singh fat, no longer allowing Ed Ferrara to mimic Bell's palsy, and for not allowing Buzzkill to burn incense on the air. None of which, one way or the other, meant anything when it came to the ratings. Russo said that WCW has to decide if it wants a squeaky clean show or ratings because they can't have both. Bro. There is far less feeling of Russo as a creative genius within the organisation these days, and those who were 100% with him as recently as four weeks ago now privately believe that he has no new ideas and has just spun a good line. We'll find out if that's true at WCW Starcade. At least people have cottoned on to it now. It's pretty much like um, so he won't be able to do that again it's pretty much like ancient Christians realising Jesus was just good at cards doing card tricks you know ace up the sleeve kind of guy yeah. it, it's, it's like the, the, the family guy scene yes he says he's not, like, he's <laughs> yes. not that impressive yeah alright turn around <laughs> Sunday 9th of December the granddaddy of them all apparently WCW Starcade 8,582 fans do not sell out the building. They got that number after they gave away over 3,000 tickets in the local market. 8,000. 8, that, that arena can hold somewhere in the region of 22,000 for, for NBA basketball. 8,500. And the year before that, they did more than double that number. I think they did about 18,000 for Goldberg Nash, which when you throw in the stage, that basically a sellout. Yeah. And 12, no- 12 months later, the... More than halved. More than halved in the space of 12 months. Well, they did 5,000 pay and WWF just did 15,000. Yeah. Armageddon. So. Armageddon, yeah. With, yeah. A 0.32 buy rate <laughs> for 120,000 hey, so that, that, How consistent is that, though? Basically, a third of the rating and a third of the live attendance as well. So. Yeah. The buy rate was down from like a 1.0, I think it was the year before, 1.1 for Starcade 98. Now, 0.32. 
After two months of Russo television, the buy rate has gone from 0.52 to a 0.45 to a 0.32 here for Starcade. Gradually just running away those paying customers, one by one, one month at a time. Running the balls. <laughs> and the finish is, of course, the Montreal Screwjob with Roddy Piper awarding Bret Hart the victory over Goldberg after Goldberg concusses Bret Hart quite severely. Yeah, with the kick and and forgetting to grab his leg for the figure four figure and the ring four. post. There's an elbow in the corner that looks like it's fucking lamps him. Uh, not a good performance here from Bill, unfortunately, and this is the beginning of the, the end. The end of Brett. Brett's career. So that's another fucking horribly sad thing. But again, Carl, to reference the text message you sent me, please. Well, most of most of the nitros I, I remembered pretty uh, vividly, you know, like an abuse victim, you know. It goes one of two ways. You either These things are either blacked out or they just traumatise you. And with me, it's very much the trauma side of things. Um... But I wasn't. I knew the card for Starcade. I, I knew the big angle, such as it was for the for the show, repeating the Montreal Screwjob. But I didn't really remember the rest of the card that well. Oh, so, so I fired it up, as I'm known to do with WCW programs during this time period. Look at the menu straight away. There's so many white and red dots. So many. 13 matches on this show. 13. Does anything go over about 15 as well? Um, Does anything even go 15? No. Not one match. The longest match on the show is the main event, which goes 12 minutes. 12 minutes for Brett Goldberg. That's all he's getting. And, uh, I just... I mean, that... The screw that, job finishes that, everywhere. Oh, show. Up and down hideous, the card. Hideous. Benoit... Just doing untold sort of damage to himself for a match that isn't promoted prior to the show. Yeah, because Scott Hall's not there. He's, he's blown out his knee and injured his groin, so he's out of the picture. And Jeff Jarrett replaces him. So Jeff works twice on this show. He beats Dustin in the bunkhouse match, and then and bear in mind, you know, you sort of setting the tone for the show with a Scott Hudson voiceover running down the card. That's quite which, the rundown which, too. Yeah, and it might have been an idea to do this. In the weeks before Starcade, not at the start of the show. Well, they'll all just buy it, won't they? Obviously. But let's get to the uh, the real uh, piece, the resistance. I don't even know which one it is. I think I know I'm, which one it is because I I'm, I fucking hate this. This I'm this. going with who's the master of the power bomb? <laughs> Big Sid versus Big Sexy <laughs> in a match. That in typical Russo fashion doesn't really have a power bomb. <laughs> I'm not giving Sid that one because he, you know, basically <laughs> he drops that on his head, so he's not getting that one. The match so hot it tore the house down in your house one. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> of course, Slick Johnson's the referee. Of course he is. Yeah, and he, you know, just so happens to not see. When Sid power bombs allegedly Kevin Nash, and Kevin Nash, after he fails the power bomb, Sid goes over and <laughs> he, he actually he, he tries to do it, sells his back and can't. Goes over to the referee and says, "I stuck him." Motions the power bomb, and the ref takes his word for it and rings the bell. I'm sure if he if he's saying he, he, he power bombed him or, or he's fucked him. 
I wasn't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was kind of a thrusting motion he was making. So yeah. I mean, I was really con- I was really concerned about these refs during this this night. But thank God, Johnny Boone was there. Of course, tough guy Johnny Boone. For fuck's sake. Steve Williams refused to do a job for Vampiro at this show and uh, ended up doing Good. DQ instead. I wouldn't do one for him either. The Varsity Club debuts the team with Jim Duggan and turn on him immediately. Actually, that that's a staple of Rousseauism. That's a Rousseauism that I just it uh, it just goes to my offends my soul that you you put some you put something in the works and then you you flip it straight away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Medusa wins the cruiserweight title when oh, Spice tries to low blow Evan Courageous and hits the rope. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! The only thing that I even remotely enjoyed on this show was. The Sting Lex Luger <laughs> deal where Liz, who has been like on Sting's side this whole time, and we swear it's not a swerve Sting, I swear I'm not with Lex really, I'm really on your side. And he's got like the, 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 the can of mace. The good stuff. The good stuff, and he, yeah, he gives her the good stuff. And then when the time comes and she comes in the ring to straighten his face, it's silly string because he knew all along, he knew all along he wasn't going to be fooled. But how clever is that? Because even that in and of itself is a swerve. Because <laughs> for years, swerve. Sting was the world's dumbest baby face. He'd have just taken a word for it. <laughs> so he's seen the swerve coming and swerved us in the process. I, I, it's it's almost like he's watching this show and he's got a sense of where things go in general. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or he's just been fit, fucked by the horse and one too, too many times. And, he's, he's and of course, he's paranoid. Having, having, <laughs> having seen the swerve coming, he heroically foils the plot and wins the match. Wait, that doesn't happen, does it? <laughs> Disqualification. Yeah. You can't have it all. You can't have it all. That's the lesson. I'd just like something, though. But you've got five minutes. What more do you want? <laughs> it's a five-minute match. Do you think, actually, Sting is, like, he's wised up to getting screwed over as the world's dumbest babyface? Or, it's happened to him so many times, he's got, like, some form of swerve... PTSD you now, like even in in real life, <laughs> yeah. he, people aren't swerving him. He yeah, thinks he, he's being swerved. Yeah, yeah. He goes he goes into the supermarket and buys his his groceries, and you know he's he's attacking the the, the checkout girl because she's. Ex- Sting, this is two for one. Is it? Mm. What have you done to it? Well, I'll pay for three anyway because you're probably screwing <laughs> me. Completely paranoid, Sting. Yeah. You should see how much they're fucking paying me anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so a poor show, we can say here, a, a very poor show. One one of many from WCW in this run of Russo. Yeah, at least, at least I got to a hot start with the Mama Luke's versus Disco, Disco and Lash. Disco. They put him in the body bag to carry him to the back to take him out of the body bag to put him in, to the, put him in the boot. <laughs> Why not? Just put him and in is, the there, is there a more insufferable prick? This this no this side of Vince Russo. Then that fucking little cop shot on the outside of the ring whose name I forgot. Oh, Tony, Tony Marinara. Tony Marinara, that's the one. What was his terrible accent? Oh, yeah, it's pretty poor. Doesn't hold up well. Like him much better taking bumps in the FBI. He couldn't even get the ether rag spot right. Yeah, that's sad. How hard is it to just pour some liquid onto a rag and hold it over his face? Everything about the show is just so fucking amateurish. Everything's to go. The production shit. They fucking have the Nitro girls doing matches and angles, and it's shit. And they haven't even the cut. Misfits taking bumps, and the shit. And the budgets are still the same. <laughs> still There's good. no reason for this. He's still got the money to spend. <laughs> As we'll see by year's end. The situation with Jeff Jarrett doing the ladder match at Starcade was because Ric Flair was asked to do it. 
Uh, Russo, Bill Bush, and JJ Dillon uh, went to Flair and asked him to take Hall's spot, and Ric Flair turned it down. In fact, they offered Flair the win over Chris Benoit, and he still wouldn't do it, saying it wasn't the right time to beat Benoit. Why? Though it's funny, the curious thing is, like I said, because my memory was a bit hazy on the Starcade card itself, I was actually fully expecting Benoit to lose here. I don't think it would have just summed it up nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, give it 24 hours. (laughs) (laughs) Over on, uh, you know what, let's go straight to Nitro actually now I think about it. December 20th. It starts with, uh, well, it doesn't start with, but uh, the match, it starts with fucking Buzzkill versus Medusa, so I'm not going to bother talking uh. about that because it's shite. <laughs> <laughs> You're right there, Carl. It's just, it's just so bloody. Oh, these, these, these shows. It's, I said before, before we, um, before we recorded, and my brain is that fried at this point that I might have already said it during this recording. I don't know anymore. I've lost all sense of perspective. <laughs> these shows I had horrible memories of them anyway before re-watching them for this podcast they're worse than I remember them I think how bad that is you have such a negative thought process and just a ter- you paint such a terrible picture in your mind and in terms of terribleness it exceeds it you've had 20 years to think about how bad these shows are and build up a falser sense of how bad they were only for you to limbo underneath the bar of low expectations here for the timeline in December 99 well it just, it just has me thinking about how bad TNA has been at times do you want to read I'm so, <laughs> I, not really but I'm just sat thinking you know, I think these were worse these were worse or these, TNA was I think worse. these were worse oh these were worse these are worse because this but is I'd spend but I'd spend I'd spend years convincing myself that, that maybe because I tried to block some of this out that the, the TNA stuff that I'd seen was really the nader and it's not no this is this it's is this this is the worst this is the worst shit I've ever fucking watched <laughs> in terms of a major league high budget wrestling show I don't think this can ever be topped if you want to call it that so Vince Russo meets with Roddy Piper Piper's got his son with him for sympathy here uh, they apparently struck a deal though what the deal was wasn't made clear uh, Russo told Piper in his interview that he needed to tell the fans that he was the one who screwed Goldberg and that he sold out Piper said that he was going to shoot and started talking about terms like smarts smarks marks and stuff like that <laughs> Russo tried to claim that he was another, the one another fantastic animals <laughs> in Narnia <laughs> they're all here <laughs> Russo tried to claim that he was the one who scripted Montreal. <laughs> He's trying to claim something that's scripted, that was a shoot. Yeah. As part of a worked shoot. It's the genius of the man. I love that in the line. Logic, bro. At this point in the show, we go to a wonderful, I think it's a two shot of Shivani and Heenan. It might be three with Hudson. Oh, can I just say as an yeah, aside, I, think it might be three. I did enjoy Bobby Heenan's attire for Starcade. With the, with the glasses on yeah. to clearly hide just how drunk he is yeah, how, how red those eyes were more power to you Bobby I love you Tony Schiavone explaining to us at home the context about Bret Hart and the screw job in Montreal that Vince Russo was the mastermind behind sources inside the business say that Bret Hart who was supposed to win that match did not and left without his championship and now the same thing has happened in a cruel twist of fate. Bret Hart is the one who's come out on top, disgusted 
with this. And then fucking, make it even better, Kevin Nash comes out and cuts one of the most fucking hilariously insufferable promos of all time. And think about the fucking ground that comes from Kevin Nash. Talking about how every day we come out here and we give up our bodies. Starts talking about the boys in the back and how it's the wrestler's code that the boys don't screw the boys, which coming from him is some fucking delicious, delicious irony. See, you would accuse him of lacking in self-awareness, <laughs> but, but it, that's, that's just joke. not the case. It's a joke on all the boys. He is laughing his ass off on the inside. It violates the code of the wrestlers, says Kevin. Paul was at home, pissed as apart, laughing his ass off at Kev doing this shit. Oh man! It, it, it's a Bret Hart. You're nothing but a piece of shit. <laughs> and they just it's completely unedited. There it is, cold as day. Good to see they got the message about standards and practices. By the way, um, well, that's got to be worth a good, you know, 0.2 extra to the. Uh... We'll see. Okay. We'll see. Okay. Fuck. This is the, they've got they're going for it today. This is exciting. This is exciting. We're going to have to I can feel it in my bones. Three point one. <laughs> <laughs> Revolution did an interview and told Duggan that he had to renounce the US and burn the flag which is the stipulation at Starcade. Duggan said that he lied and <laughs> beat them up beat up the Revolution instead he actually said to hell with standards and practices uh, before the filthy animals made the save yeah. filthy animals who were heels right uh, it's always been a bit of a blurry line ever since they buried Flair in the desert and stole his watch and then kind of a baby face against the Revolution I just assumed that was an all heel program. <laughs> Roddy Piper comes out wearing nothing but a leather jacket with quite the punch, um, screaming that he wasn't a phony and that you know he hates wrestling with all this scripted stuff and all this stuff about how the writers are taken over and you this guy beats this guy and you lay down for this guy. Insufferable. Absolutely just turgid. Unbelievable. If you want to see how to kill a wrestling promotion, yeah, folks, yeah, yeah. this month of television is it. Because when you watch this, you never want to spend another penny <laughs> on WCW. I don't want to spend another second, <laughs> to be quite honest. Or anyone who ever tells me again, it was all about the merger. Oh, go fuck yourselves. He then quit wrestling, claiming that wrestling was better before there were script writers. Uh, Piper begged Goldberg not to be a phony. They don't want to see this dog and pony baloney, says Piper. They want to see real fights. So I guess it's all been dog and pony baloney. Yeah, phony dog and pony baloney. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Try saying that when you're Bobby Heenan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you've been able to do that. But, uh... Screw it, Bobby. Just hit that demand line every time you see Goldberg. Yeah. And then Goldberg comes out to have a word with Piper and says he doesn't blame him. Yeah. This is all fucking deep now. Yeah. Goldberg's talking to him about how you know, I always looked up to you, Roddy. Mm. And then Bret Hart comes out with a belt and says, I don't want to wear this piece of shit. It's not worth anything. He actually says that and then like vacates the belt. He says, as far as I'm concerned, this belt is vacant. I don't want to wear this piece of crap. Throw it in the bin with the TV title. Yeah. May as well. By the way, this is an aside. Uh, somebody I follow on Twitter called uh, Ian Stewart. He's a, he's a fantastic... Uh, he has some, some funny takes. And he pointed out, and I wanted to mention it on this show, that in the entire time that Bret Hart was in WCW, they never merchandised any of the Hitman Shades. Ever. The entire time. Just think about how much of an easy win that is. They never even merchandised the Bret Hart Shades. And the few times that he actually walked into the ring, apparently you could see the WF logo on the side. Really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that, I don't know. I was going to say, maybe they'd... Uh... I, don't know, I was trying to think of some logical explanation for it. There's none. No, there's none. There's, there's none. There's useless. 
Roddy Piper started destroying Russo's office with a baseball bat, screaming at Owen Hart, Adrian Adonis, and Andre the Giant, and... Yeah. One has nothing to do with the other, but fine. Exposing it's all a set, by the way. He pushes the thing down, it's like, this isn't actually a room at all, it's just like, something rinky-dink. Well, it's all phoning, you just said it, so... Yeah, it's all bullshit. We get uh, three-way... Why, why, why keep the fake wall when we've already broken through the fourth wall? Yeah. <laughs> big pop there, Kieran. <laughs> it's a three-way next. No time to think about this big earth-shattering revelation sorry, sorry, of sorry, fake. Let's sorry, move on. Sorry. Chris Canyon, DDP, Bam Bam Bigelow in a three-way. What's the finish here? Do you remember? No. Page lays both guys out with a diamond cutter, and then left because he didn't want to do the job. He laid them both out with a diamond cutter, got out of the ring, kissed the fan at ringside, and then walked off. Match continued, Canyon broke a champagne bottle and Bigelow and won. So DDP wasn't winning, so he had to, I guess, prove that his cock was bigger than everybody else's. By walking out. Walking out. I beat you both if I could have won, but I'm not going to. And bearing in mind that we've been told it's all fake and bullshit at the start of the show by Piper, those two then decide to play pretend a bit longer. Yeah. Um, Unless it was real. But again, keep in mind, because this, 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 this has relevance later on, foreshadowing an exposition... DTP kisses another woman. This story is about to develop as Mean Gene is about to get on the case. <laughs> and there's, there's some great stuff on this show. Jeff Jarrett beats Chris Benoit to win the US title back in a return ladder match. They're actually saying you should buy the replay to watch the Jeff Jarrett versus Chris Benoit ladder match while they were walking to the ring to do a rematch ladder match on Nitro for free. Yep. <laughs> the finish is fucking awesome as Benoit goes to climb the ladder but the steps are supposed to be gimmicked but they're not they don't fall so Benoit's like stamping on each rung as he's climbing the ladder and the manager just falls through all four rungs as the crowd laughs and then Jarrett then just gets into the ladder and climbs it to victory Piper gave another speech uh, the fans in the building were booing this one out of the building and chanting boring at Hot Rod he told the wrestlers to form a union get a pension and medical coverage Where's Jesse when all this is going on? Yeah. Um, Buff Bagwell does a promo with me and Gene. God. What an insufferable prick this babyface Buff Bagwell is. They all are at this point. This is the worst, though. Buff, Buff is. With his fucking jeans, his blue denim jeans, yeah, his carpenter jeans, his fucking Tour de France jersey. Yeah, his Lance Armstrong special. Uh, yeah, uh, I like Lance Armstrong. Don't, don't bring the, the Buff hat. The Buff hat. The Buff hat, yeah. Who used more performance-enhancing drugs, Kieran? Um, I would still say Buff. Probably um, by a significant margin, actually. Yeah. Um, Lance was just real smart about it. Fucking Oakland is asking, yeah, asking about the rumours that he's nailed Kimberly Page. <laughs> and Buff at first is like... No. Like a gentleman. At first, Buff goes, that's bullshit that you asked me that. Off mic. Gene, that's bullshit. And he walks off. And Gene goes, hang on a second here. If you don't... He actually says, if you don't answer this question... That proves you're guilty. <laughs> and Buff's like, and Buff, after refusing to even talk about this because it's bullshit, then goes into this fucking detailed diatribe about how at first they're just friends, him and Kimberly. However, if I was in a hotel room and she was laid out on my bed, Buff would put his stuff all over her. <laughs> and then, as he cocked his head to be cool, his fucking sunglasses <laughs> fall off his head like a wanker. Yeah, just, 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 just. just just to spell that he didn't say this in a cool no. rock style way it was the most obnoxious <laughs> arrogant cartoony just oh, douchebag way you could it's like almost almost cheering DDP at this point but, oh, yeah. but not quite 
D- yeah, and then DDP's music hits, and Buff Bagwell does what I can only call the Scott Hall face of, I'm not taking this seriously. <gasps> Look at the camera. Like, you fucking suck, Bagwell. OMG. What the hell happened to the, the, the fucking the stuff from 97? He was, wasn't that good he, in 97. He was underrated in 97, I'm telling you. you. Know, well, Perfect except on mid-card heel. He's, you know, after the stuff, he spread it all over Kimberly Page. Well, yeah, so. apparently so. But he wants to. Yeah. Well, I would have, in fairness. So, of course, Bret Hart, who's livid, gets a rematch with Bill Goldberg. So, it's not only are we getting the ladder match for free, we're getting Bret and Goldberg 2 for the title for free. And what a finish. Bret and Goldberg for the WCW title. I think Bret wins. Even though, basically what happens is, Bret's got him in a figure four, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash come out, and of course they turn on Goldberg. Jeff Jarrett then comes out with another guitar and bashes him Roddy Piper comes out to try and make the save and as Brett's trying to pin Goldberg Roddy Piper climbs on top of Goldberg to protect him Yeah. early he's supposed to do this after the match not while the match is still going on and the referee who's supposed to count Brett just counts Piper <laughs> that was so that was a complete fuck up total fuck up uh, I, I didn't make Brett, sense Brett at first is trying to cover him and Piper won't let him because he's just trying to cover Goldberg and he won't let Brett get on top of him because he's trying to protect him for his life kind of a thing and the ref counts three and somehow Bret Hart wins the WCW title because Piper pins Goldberg I was still confused whether was the title vacated at this point no not really okay. I'm guessing he was just saying it was oh. <laughs> I don't fucking know anymore and he doesn't keep his word like Jim Duggan either I guess, no so. well no one does the face, if the and, heroes don't and of course it's quite apropos that Goldberg should end the year the way he started it in the Georgia Dome <laughs> yeah. flat on his back looking at the lights Jeff Jarrett hits Piper with a guitar and all of a sudden, you hear the soundbite. New, new, new world order. Piper and Goldberg are spray-painted silver to end the show. Hot damn, the band is back together. Just when we thought Russo was they... out of new ideas, Carl. He's fucking raging in with the Montreal Screwjob and the return of the NWO. Technically, as a, they were never together as a group prior to this. A collection this of individuals. No, because Jeff Jarrett was never there. Um, we couldn't even get 12 months of no NWO. Couldn't even get 12 months. Nah. They had spare t shirts to sell, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, they busted out that new lovely silver one that they knocked up with like those word graphics they used to get. <laughs> <laughs> the, silver, uh, the silver effects on. I don't know. It's, it's uh, yeah, what do you say? So for all of the hubbub, for all the creative genius, for all the talk backstage that Russo might have just spun a good line and he's got no new ideas. Why? Montreal and the NWO. Why? Piper. Why? why he hasn't Piper even there? turned. So he sells out. He does nothing in the build-up that he needs to sell out. He does his yes sir, yes sir stuff in November. Yeah, be saying the piss. Such a sort of comical. Yeah, I'm taking the piss out of you. Way it's not done with any any serious tone, and they don't do anything other than that to suggest that you know don't even make they don't even really insinuate he's that strapped up for cash or anything. Do no, they? no, wrong reason. It just happened, and then he regrets it the next night, and he's forgiven for it. So there's no narrative reason for him to be the guy to do it at all. And and he never really explains why he did it. In truth, he just goes on a diatribe about the business. We move over to Raw December 20th and we are now in the midst of the Helmsley McMahon regime. Uh, so, to start off, we have the New Age Outlaws beating Test in a handicap match. 
so the writing's on the wall there if it wasn't already. Uh, Triple H and Steph call out Jim Ross regarding Ross's comments about her the previous week for uh, basically being a Jezebel. Uh, she shoves down Jim Ross when Triple H was behind him. Always good for a laugh. And uh, they did the angle that they did before. It feels like they've done this three times when Triple H was about to break Jim Ross's arm. It feels like they've done that three I, times. Yeah. Right now. yeah. Uh, when Mankind came out, uh, Stephanie slapped him before it was all said and done. But uh, there you go. So they're moving towards Mankind and, and Trips. And Foley gets in some nice lines about um, some some nice digs at Steph as well, which is um, good, good for him to get a bit of momentum against cheap, cheap, cheap pops against the... Uh, Newly crowned slut of wrestling. Yeah, kind <laughs> the queen heel. Mm. Um, Angle beat Viscera when Steve Blackman hit Viscera with a kendo stick. Uh, the reason Blackman, <coughs> the reason Blackman who's feuding with Angle helped him is because Stephanie double crossed Triple H who had booked the match because he was jealous that Stephanie likes Kurt. He's cute. He's <laughs> cute. That's what she says. He's cute. I love this. Right. All, all this sort of December early of foreshadowing and yeah. build. Yeah, miss this sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, months, months before this was ever going to become anything. And I wonder if this was just a throwaway thing. Well, clearly it was. I doubt they had any kind of real aspirations for what it would end up being. But what a nice way to just kind of throw a little seed out there and see if it grows a little bit. And Just run with it. Yeah, absolutely run with it. Uh, Mankind was put in a boiler room brawl match with Santa Claus. Uh, Mankind uh, told the first Santa to lose and that he'd put him over if he did, so... The bullshit is kind of everywhere, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Uh, at that point, three more Santas attacked Mankind, but he beat them all up. Then two more Santas, which were clearly the outlaws, attacked him and he laid them out too. Finally, a last Santa, who was Triple H, clobbered Mankind and then went out the door of the boiler room. Uh, Christmas music played, so I guess that's his entrance music. And Teddy Long, completely deadpan, raised Triple H's arm and said, Here is your winner, Santa Claus. <laughs> Play Santa Claus! <laughs> We get a topless top rope match with Val Venus versus Bob Holly. Um, probably the only time Bob Holly became the biggest ratings draw of the show, I would imagine. As BB and Terry uh, were basically there and had to take off an item of clothing if their man gets thrown over the top rope. Um, of course, this ends with Triple H standing in front of BB as she takes her top off. And he basically gets all the booze for being the only guy who gets to look at the jugs. <laughs> and then nice way to get heel heat. Yeah. It is in this modern, in this, uh, this, this, this modern day wrestling world, I suppose, in '99. And then, <laughs> a moment for the ages. Mark it down on your calendars because I had no, I had no recollection this happened. December the twentieth, Al Snow beats The Rock. <laughs> yeah, um, they don't know how lucky they were. Al Snow it beats The Rock. It just it, it, uh, earlier, it defies all logic. Uh, earlier, I said I, I was impressed with the way they they tempered their enthusiasm for Rock and just the show in general. You know, in order to get the, the ducks in order for WrestleMania season. No, not not this. This. I mean, come on, come on. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> this is just beyond a joke. It's a bull rope match. The outlaws get involved, but even then, it's like this isn't that. That's in the past now. The outlaws bullshit. That happened Armageddon. Let's move on with our lives. Al Snow beats The Rock. I believe they have a cage match on SmackDown where Rock gets the win back, but oh, still, fifty-fifty. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, the Mean Street Posse were playing tuxedo servants for Triple H and Stephanie. All through the show, got so excited about The Rock losing that Rodney knocked a drink all over Stephanie. Uh, so they get put into a match with Too Cool and Rikishi, uh, who just kill them. 
But I, I marked this one down because they did the dance again. And this time, oh man, oh man, the fans love this act. Yep. And, and it's funny because at this point, Too Cool aren't really being treated like anything special still. Rikishi kind of is. They, they know Rikishi's kind of sort of Too there. Cool are just his buddies. There is like undercard, underling buddies, but man, they come off like a serious act when, they're, when they do that dance together. It's like, it's so funny because like God, just like six weeks ago they're nothing, nothing at all. all these people are nothing it doesn't take that long I got Raven's theory that it only takes six weeks to get over really mm. it's like man you see it here and in your main event uh, with the slips being that if Kane doesn't win the title that Tori will have to spend the holidays with X-Pac uh, Kane first beats the big show by DQ uh, after a chair shot but then Triple H says it's no DQ it's very strange just very quickly that Vincent Mann who is obviously all for women's rights and anti-rape mm. would condone this stipulation within his company. I found it odd, but he wasn't. He himself was not there at the time. Okay. It was the it was the founder of the women's revolution, Stephanie. True. Who 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 is supporting this True. wholeheartedly? True. Um, yeah. So of course there's no DQ, and we get the usual the, the bullshit. It's then a count out finish, but there's no count out. It's false count anywhere, and then Big Show power bombs Kane through a table for the win. So. There you go. That's your title match. Show versus Kane in the main event. Uh, Kane gets knobbed and Tori has to spend the holidays with X-Pac. So does Tori. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carl, you were talking about the ratings. What would WCW's increase the pressure? I, I, I was feeling that 3.1. I reckon it'll be higher. Really? After Starcade. There's a, a lot's gone on. There will be minor curiosity. Piece of shit was thrown in a few times. That's true. Minor curiosity. Ernest Kevin Nash. Yeah, talking about the boys in the back. Mm. Roddy Piper. Three hour show. It'll start, the heroics of Roddy Piper. It'll, I say, it'll start off normal and then maybe drop. No, so it'll start off slightly higher and drop to normal levels. Or maybe even lower because there'll be a reaction the, to it. The, 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 the concern of what, what's happened with Sting, people will tune in for an update. Raw did a 5.8, a little bit down, to Nitro's 3.2. Kane versus Big Show grew from a 5.6 final quarter to a 6.1 overrun, while WCW grew from a 2.9 for the Bagwell fucking promo to a 3.6 for Goldberg versus Brett in the title match. It was the lowest rated day after a pay-per-view rating since Russo took over, however, even though the, <laughs> the, the number was up. Just, just, to, just, just to give you, you know, a full context. contextual picture of how things stand. <laughs> how things really are. Um, the Roddy Piper big interviewer is talking about the, the business and, and all the stuff that we maligned moments ago. Uh, stopped a big loss when Raw began, as Raw opened with a 4.7, one of its lowest quarters in months, for Test versus the Outlaws. <laughs> So <laughs> didn't have stock in test. The peak rating for the night was, in fact, the topless top rope match teasing <laughs> Terry or BB exposing their breasts, which did a 6.45 to Nitro's 2.5 for the angle I didn't even bother to write down, which was Chuck Zito being revealed as the head of the mafia, uh, Mr. Marinera, uh, which led to Disco Inferno's heel turn. And also, another match I didn't write down, because it was so fucking ungodly awful that I didn't want to think about it again, the Varsity Club versus Harlem Heat. Oh, yeah. In the UK, with this, with the Stevie Ray turn, yeah, yes. In the know U- your audience, people. Oh, know fuck. your audience. Is that the one when PG thirteen runs in? On I think show, it is. Yeah. Oh, fuck me. That's the funniest thing. I got to talk about that. Sorry, I didn't want to get it out of my mind. But this is too funny. So Harlem Heat, they lose. They fuck on. You know, piss off. Varsity clubs in the ring. PG thirteen run in. They hit and run like little girls. Rick Stein doesn't even sell. 
for these guys. Well, it doesn't do it for anyone else either. <laughs> they run away. PG-13 run away. And Jamie Dundee falls over. <laughs> and Wolfie D, because he's running and looking at the Varsity Club, falls over him. <laughs> this is their debut to World Championship Wrestling. Oh, a pair of fucking idiots. Called the Shockmaster. They did. In the UK... Raw did 110,000 viewers Ooh. to Nitro's 100,000 viewers. Now, it should be mentioned that this aired on Christmas Eve in... Uh, in of course, yes. So, <coughs> so there you go. WCW issues a press release the next day. Get a load of this. <coughs> Monday evening, some strong language aired on WCW Nitro Live. The reason for this occurrence was a network delay booth operator did not report to work on Monday evening. This absence was not immediately realised due to the fact that the broadcast operations centre and the delay booth are located in different areas of the building. Once the personnel shortage was realised, the broadcast operations centre took action to staff the delay booth. I... You can't make that show. Well, obviously you can, because they did. What a wonderful bullshit. Oh, production... <laughs> company and by production company, uh, a dude didn't come into work today. So I was yeah. like, the network is taking corrective measures to prevent this type of incident from happening again in the future. There was no intent by WCW or the network to allow offensive language to air on the program. The old adage is true. It's better to uh, beg for forgiveness than seek yeah. permission. Yes, it is. Last week, Ted Turner responded to a woman's question on Larry King Live regarding the direction that wrestling had taken. Turner claimed that the caller wasn't differentiating between the two products and blamed that view on Vince McMahon's wrestling. The New York Post actually ran a story the day of Nitro regarding the direction of wrestling with Ted Turner's comments and the swearing on the show the very day the story ran completed an amazing coincidental trifecta of Vince Russo's booking plans making Vince McMahon's enemies look like hypocrites. (laughs) Which I think is a very curious line to put in there. Mm. Almost Cartesian collusion of some (laughs) sorts. Uh, Bret Hart at Nitro was actually asked to do the exact same interview that Shawn Michaels did on Raw the day after Survivor Series 97. Uh, He didn't want to do it, so they didn't. (laughs) No, I'm not doing that. So after all of this fucking malarkey that's going on, we move to the next day on Thunder, where now that they've got their ducks in a row at least, we've got the established heel unit in the New World Order and Roddy Piper and Bill Goldberg on the other side. And with Thunder no longer being a B-show? Of course not. So Bill Goldberg is there, and what does he do? He gets fucking injured on December 21st. The show-long storyline was that Goldberg was going to take out every member of the NWO one by one. He finally got to Russo in a white limo in the parking lot as the show ended, and was punching out one window after another. The flying glass apparently cut deeply into his tricep, and there was a massive amount of blood flowing and towels drenched in Goldberg's blood before he was taken away. He had plastic surgery during the hospital that night and needed 40 stitches to close the wound. It appears that Goldberg will be out of the ring somewhere in the neighbourhood of 10 to 15 weeks. The injury screws plans for the next few pay-per-views since it was going to be built around Goldberg. WCW tried to get Hogan and Flair back to fill the spot, but neither of them wanted to, so it looks like Sid is being moved into the role. (laughs) Thank fuck it's not softball season. (laughs) There was tremendous heat on Scott Hall at that thunder and were backstage with it he was suspended for repeated disciplinary problems. There was a noticeable edit on the show which was Hall doing the old NWO survey which infuriated Goldberg in particular because he was trying to be a babyface against orders. Basically, he was outright told don't do the survey and he did it. Goldberg was livid because he, he wants to be the big babyface and in his own words, I got so mad that when I dropped the pipe to hit the limo I just 
well, I was so angry that I just fucking punched it anyway and then injured his arm. So there you go. Goldberg's out. Well. Damn it, though. If it wasn't for that, everything would have turned around. Yeah. yeah. Does, he, does he blame? I'm sure he blames that in, in later. Of interviews. course he does. Beleaguered. Beleaguered by injuries. Oh, well. <sighs> would it have made a difference? Not in the grand scheme of things, no. Of course not. Numbers might have been marginally better. Marginally. Better career actions probably than Sting, no doubt. Than than Sid, no doubt. Starting with the Royal Rumble, the American pay-per-view shows in the UK are moving from Sky to Channel 4, um, which outbids Sky for the rights. Channel 4 will also start airing Sunday Night Heat, which has never aired in the UK starting in January, which I... This is like a hinge point in my fandom. I was so excited. Yeah, when they announced that. Yeah, I didn't have Sky at the time. It was one of those periods where Sky was cut off. One of those lean few months. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> but it's okay because it's coming to Channel Four, and only good things will happen. I I was very optimistic after telling people about how fucking hot the wrestling boom was, and then Worldwide goes on Channel Five <laughs> and just fucking ruins that for everybody. I had to turn it from wrestling's great to the WWF's great you just need to see the WWF and obviously the Royal Rumble is the first thing a lot of them saw which is a great show as we'll talk about on the next uh, timeline so yeah interesting period of time that follows here uh, Eric Bischoff it's noted is still interested in returning as the manager of Hulk Hogan would that turn things around no. Bischoff and Hulk Hogan you know what I, I was just thinking as you said earlier going on about all these uh, the, the um, producers and stuff getting spots on the shows because he's protecting himself how fucking annoyed is he at himself that he cut Hoagie loose so early he could really done with buddying up to Hogan right now yeah. and putting him on top and we could snowball everyone together and maybe I'll keep my job for a couple so of weeks. where Hogan goes yes. so goes the guy at the top mm. He's putting in there. That was Sullivan's theory, wasn't it? That, mm. that didn't work out so well in uh, March, as we'll get to. No, but if you if, if that's the route you're going, Dane, I'm sure he'd have jumped on Hoagie's bandwagon before. Oh, of course he would. Sullivan's, probably. Yeah, of course he would. Um, Taz will be spelt T-A-Z-Z, because apparently it's Time Warner that owns the name Taz, and a kind of ironic twist. <laughs> but uh, alas, there you go. We move down to the final Nitro and Raw of the month, and I'll be honest with you. <laughs> At this point in the proceedings... I had no desire to watch another another Nitro. I did. I, I was yeah. I I looked at the show. <laughs> I I did watch the show, but I was so infuriated watching the show that I I barely took down any notes. It's announced that the tag titles are held up due to problems with uh, oh. Bill Bush and Vince Russo. Yes, and with Scott Hall not appearing by seven p.m. So apparently, because he, he didn't he arrived late, they stripped him of the tag belts. So they do a lethal lottery tournament. Lethal fucking lottery. They, uh, this show is fucking this is one of the worst if not the worst and uh, granted the shit we've seen but I hated this show is Lethal Lock- Lockdown the worst gimmick Lethal Lottery sorry yeah Lethal yeah. random tag matches yeah it, uh, Lethal Lottery is um, tournaments is that the worst gimmick in wrestling history it's got to be close it's it's, close. it's, it's, it's in the discussion mm. yeah they did a big explanation that Scott Steiner's career was over because his back wasn't healing properly uh, the NWO beat up J.J. Dillon and spray-painted Sid's rental car in their reign of terror out there back together. Why beat up J.J. Dillon? Uh, didn't it, wasn't he, was he the one that broke the news that Scott Hall was being, that the tag belts were being oh, stripped? okay. So Brett, who is awesome, but is also heavily concussed at this point, throws 
probably the worst knee of his career to wipe out J.J. Dillon on the ground. Uh, I do only think that the spray painting of Sid on the car was quite humorous with a big chin. That was quite good. It was a good. It was a good uh, bust. That was a Brett special. You could tell. Yeah, you knew that was going to be Brett's work. Um, Sid and Benoit did interviews that seemed to take forever to announce their two matches at the next pay per view, which is Chris Benoit and Jeff Jarrett in a triple threat theater, where they'll be wrestling three times in one day. In a theater. Not necessarily in a theater, although. No, <laughs> I think the idea was it's not really made clear at this point what that entails, though. No, um, it's going to be Sid and Brett for the belt. At least, at it's least, so fucking bad. But this is this is how low expectations are. At least they're actually promoting matches well ahead of time. Yeah, this show is like I said, this show is so the Lethal Lottery is just a complete mishmash of awful teams. And in every match, the partners turn on each other. Every single match. Every match that happens on this show. If we turn, turn, turn. I couldn't, I couldn't get, I couldn't. I was like, I know. Skip to the finish. What's the finish? Another turn? Fucking great. The only thing that was redeeming on this show was there was a Jeff Jarrett Billy Kibben match that wasn't that bad. Um, Jarrett wins, of course. The enemy runs in and just destroys the filthy animals. But at least the match was fun. And the main event was Nash on his own versus Sid and the Wall, which ends with Scott Steiner turning on Sid in, in the most predictable turn this week. Uh, joining the NWO, the Flyers fall. Kevin Nash sits on the car and gives a Queen's wave while Brett drives the car. Apparently they throw Sid in the car. Fans are throwing things. Fans are throwing things. And then they take the car backstage where the NWO monster truck that they were fawning over all show runs over the car that Sid is in while Tony Giovanni screams oh my god there's a man in there and then to end the show Bobby Heenan just says happy new year <laughs> reams of empty seats everywhere <laughs> everywhere <laughs> the, the mat I, I, you know I'm like the mat is just what a waste of time it would be to talk about them all individually so I'm not getting a poor maybe the poorest effort of a show it just at this point it just this company just seems so fucking dead. Especially now that Goldberg's not there anymore. It's like this company's fucking dead. It's over. They're not winning anymore. No. <laughs> That's a fucking understatement. No, I mean they have no chance anymore. <laughs> this 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 battle seems to be over. Over on Raw, on the other hand, the show opens with DX and Stephanie in the ring, and Mick Foley comes out and tries to uh, get DX to kind of turn on uh, Triple H, saying that if Triple H gets the title, he'll leave them all. Because uh, you won't need them anymore. Uh, Foley calls Stephanie a hoe and got attacked, and the Rock comes out to clean house. And oh boy, when Dwayne's on the case, crowd's crowd's ready. Crowd's ready oh, to yeah. see Rock in the top top oh, spot. Oh yeah. Even Al Snow can't put the kibosh <laughs> on this. No, nope, this guy's just too too hot. Stephanie announces Rock versus Mankind pink slip on a pole for uh, later in the show. So there you go. Uh, Tori tells Kane that X-Rack was actually a complete gentleman over the holiday season and there's actually nothing to worry about. And then Test kind of puts his arm around Tori and Tori freaks out and goes crying to Kane saying that Test violated her. So this is the start of like just odd behaviour from Tori that obviously culminates as you'd expect it to and everybody knows. But uh, yeah. Um, a four-way sees the Dudleys win over the Acolytes, the Godfather and D'Lo. What happened to your D'Lo? And Edge and Christian, when the posse, who are doing like ringside duties, attack Bradshaw. Um, 
Angle beats the headbangers on his own when Steve Blackman again comes in to help him. Uh, Triple H hated it just because Angle is again kind of coming up Trump's ears. He's looking for any way to get Angle beaten. But uh, Triple H, Stephanie's going to find these ways to help. Yeah, but it's the subtext I really like. And this probably I shouldn't like it because it's not something that's really hammered home. But it's the whole point of she's kind of this um, vulnerable young woman who was fucked over by a dad or um, taken advantage of, used by a dad. So Triple H has then taken advantage of that and manipulated her to get what he wants. And she's just a starstruck by the by the big ta- by the big wrestler who's, who's kind to and stood up to her dad, yeah. and he's worried that it's paper thin. And if she actually likes Kurt, she, she might actually drop him. There All might that, be something real about that's that yeah. That's 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 what that's the that's the subtext for me of what is going on. And that's it was brilliant. Desperately trying to just protect his spot. Yeah, and it's like this kind of that didn't need spelling out because no. that's. It's so clearly self-preservation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just I oh, really, really. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, I like that. I like that element of it all. I, I just love it because like you didn't even have to do the, the the Kurt thing, but by doing it, it just spells everything out so much clearer. Yeah. I love it. Um, Rock does in fact beat mankind. Uh, mankind takes a a memorable little backwards tumble to the floor. Rock gets the pink slip, and mankind retires forever, and we never do see him again. Ah. This is no Terry Funk departure. Yeah, <laughs> at one point Al Snow interferes and hits the rock with head, but Mankind refused to take the win that way and instead attacked Al Snow. Uh, of course, there you go. Mankind takes the bump to the floor, rock wins. Um, so even in that instance, even in that instance, in theory, rock should have lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're so lucky. <laughs> They're so fucking lucky. Mankind takes off his mask and does a farewell interview after we're, uh, we're finished. Leave the memories alone. There it is. Uh, X-Pac beats Jeff Hardy in a good match and actually I, I, I bring that up just because I just realised that there was a match the previous week that I didn't mention with Edge and Christian versus the Hardys in a cage oh, yeah. where Jeff that crazy fuck <coughs> misses a swanton from the top of the cage to the canvas and just looks like he's just killed himself spectacular <laughs> this man is great around this time god damn I love Jeff Hardy there's a show long skit here just to show that WCW doesn't have the uh, the corner you know, they don't have the, the, the complete fucking exclusivity on bad angles here. Show long skit where Mark Henry and Harvey Whippleman on a double date with Moolah and Mae Young, which ends up with all four in bed. Yeah, but at least you're laughing as you say it, Liam. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm the fucking comment from Meltzer. <laughs> and at least, at least, you know, look at who's involved in this. Poor Mark Henry. <laughs> that man's just taking the money. But they, they're trying now. They're really trying. Meltzer, the thing I was laughing at is Meltzer saying, there are a lot of gross thoughts in this world, but I can't come up with many worse than having sex in a bed with anyone while Bruno Laura is doing Moolah a few feet away from me. (laughs) 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 Tess beats Kane by disqualification and Tori slaps and kicks Tess afterwards, so she's getting a real bit of a uh, bitchy complex there. Uh, and the Outlaws beat too cool, but they dance afterwards, so it's all fine. They're still over. Uh, and in the main event, the Big Show beats Triple H when there's a bunch of ref bumps and run-ins, and it ends with Mick Foley costing Triple H. So, after his farewell, didn't even wait till the end of the episode <laughs> to bring him back. So, there you go. The uh, the ratings are in. Raw does a 5.85. Again, dips. Don't blow that six. To Nitro's 2.9. Ah, that's better. That's more like it. <laughs> well, no, no, I don't think anyone said piece of shit this week. Ah... Uh... 
Over the head-to-head two hours, it was 5.85 to 2.3, <laughs> making it the second-worst Nitro showing in many years, barely beating out Kevin Nash's final week as the booker, which was placeholder booking, and is often the 2.6 that we took the ratings from. Uh, Raw peaked with a 6.65 for the Triple H vs. Big Show title match, followed by a 6.4 for Rock vs. Mankind. The inexplicable WCW high point was a 2.6 for the Vampiro and Evan Courageous versus David Flair and Crowbar lethal lottery match. But for whatever reason, David Flair of late has been, besides Goldberg, WCW's biggest ratings draw. I'm, uh... I'm going to repeat that. David Flair of late has been, besides Bill Goldberg, WCW's biggest ratings draw. <laughs> It's, it's. Uh, this has to be the period when Kiva was drawn to him as well. It's <laughs> what was it? It's, Some kind of voodoo? It's. It, it can't be looked at as anything other than more an indictment of the rest of the roster. He must have a massive cock like Rick. That's nothing to do. <laughs> nothing to do with the race, and I'm still stuck on Kiva. I'm befuddled by. Well, so it. was he? Well, yeah. Um, I have no explanation for that. Drawing those no. reins, baby. In the UK. Nitro won. <laughs> 120,000 viewers to Raw's 60,000 viewers. Jesus. Uh, New Raw, Year's Raw. Eve. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. New Year's Eve, Raw airs later, so that's probably got something to do with it. That's, that's <laughs> might suggest so. I fucking hope so. 60,000. 60, Let's hit the home stretch here. Both Russo and Ferrara were not on the air at Nitro. Uh, from both rumours and angles shot during the previous week, it appears that the powers to be gimmick is being phased down, maybe out, and being replaced by the NWO as the main heels of the company uh, that WCW will be based around. The powers that be office set was actually set up at Nitro, but when the script came, there was nothing referencing it on the show. There was the feeling expressed that Russo has been very good with excuses, with the oft-repeated six months to turn the ratings around statement. Uh, but something askew here with Russo because he's taken himself off the air now. Uh, when has Russo said he's the brains behind the NWO at any point? Apart from the stuff with that's clearly been implied. It's I been think implied, but never given, said. Given the nature of the NWO, but it's but it doesn't need to be said because everyone's smart. Well, not that fucking smart because the rating was a t- two point three. <laughs> I, I I'm with you here. It certainly feels like crossing the T's and darting the I's on this would have been quite nice. Why did it need to be the NWO if it's Russo's crew anyway? Yeah. It wasn't Bret Hart driving the monster truck at Nitro, nor was Sid in the car that was being run over, but both were the original plan. Hart was told what part of the car to drive over and where Sid would be in the car so as not to drive over the him. Fuck? <laughs> Bret Hart was furious and refused saying he was not an experienced stunt driver and felt that if he was going to use a monster truck and drive over a car and go to that expense they should also go to the expense trying a professional stuntman do the fucking thing are you fucking kidding me no it didn't dawn on them to get Sid out of the car that's fucking unbelievable Jesus imagine if they did try same year as Owen Hart and they're asking Brett to run over a car yeah, with a Sid probably, uh, Brett probably seen double anyway yeah <laughs> well yeah a concussed Brett Hart at this point yeah, it, shouldn't be, it, it shouldn't be on the wheel of any car presumably um, to say nothing nothing in fact I didn't touch on it at the time now but on the basis of how stupid they are and just how insensitive they generally are at Starcade when you had Scott Hudson come out with the line about how it's not been a good year for Brett looking back and losing his brother but if he can win tonight 
it will all go away. Jesus. <laughs> there was no problem with Brett's decision, and based on everything, he was actually apologised to afterwards about even being asked. Too fucking right. Can you imagine the fucking stupidity of these people? I can't believe that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Ever, of anything. <laughs> that being said... <laughs> Go on. You know, Sid would have been in the vehicle, so, you know... <laughs> Sometimes you got to, you know, make the omelette, you got to break a few eggs. <laughs> okay, clearly on my own on that one. Just saying. After all the fucking TV time... Roddy Piper won't be around much for the next several months due to filming another movie. And, just to the point, Roddy Piper's last act in a WCW ring is to fuck up the finish of the Brett Goldberg match because you never see him again. That's it. That's it. The next time you see Roddy Piper in a wrestling ring for a major promotion is WrestleMania 19. I thought you mentioned the XWF. Jimmy Hart's company wasn't he a part of that I said major promotion <laughs> at this point Ken Shamrock remember him has been cleared to wrestle but isn't being used because they haven't written him back into the storylines the plan at this point seems to be for the Undertaker to return in some form just before or at the Royal Rumble the British Bulldog was off television again this week calling the office saying he was changing tyres and the car fell off the jack and landed on him if that's true, he's had some shocking work this <laughs> last year or two. However, oh, fucking heart family, Jesus! I, I have to question a curse. I have to question the validity of this yeah. car landing on him, considering he's back by the rumble. Oh, baby boy! <laughs> Made a phone call from Colombia, South America, <laughs> to say that I won't be there this week, boys. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So let's sum it up. 1999. It's been, it's gone. For the year as a whole in the UK, you, uh, Raw averaged 323,000 viewers to Nitro's average of 253,000 viewers. So Raw does have the strong overall lead. In 1999, WCW lost over $15 million, which would make it the most money any single wrestling company has ever lost in a one-year period in the history of the business. Imagine the magnitude of a statement like that. This is roughly the amount of money they lost in the entire three-year reign of Jim Hurd. From 1998 to 99, ratings dropped 18%, buy rates fell 41%, and average attendance has dropped 48% in 12 months. So think about the amount of money they've lost. And, and think... I know it's sort of the, the, the averages over the course of the year, but think about how much of that is sort of backloaded to let's say backloaded but the bulk of that fall coming from sort of April onwards yeah so it's it's not it's not like it's been a there are declines in numbers don't get me wrong but it's not as if it's been a sort of you picture the, picture the graph and see this steady line just going going down to the point where you get to the end of the year there is a you know there is a fall, but there is a sharp drop off after April, after the stampede, spring stampede. Yeah, sharp fall, and then as it as it's lingering and gets bad, there's another shot again. The, those buy rates we're talking about them there, yeah. they've been savaged. I mean, they, 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 they were still doing a they do a one point one in March. Yeah, for the second Hogan Either Flair one match. Or a one point one in March. Yeah. Either way, you know, it's, it's in that ballpark. 0.32 for Starcade for Goldberg challenging for the world title. 
which they'd been waiting for all year. In, um, in, should have been, in theory, should have been waiting for all year since he got screwed the previous Starcade. Yeah. I mean, December 99 is a month. WCW is some of the most wretched television you'll ever see. Without question. Raw is better than it was, I think. It feels like the days are starting to come through. Pieces are starting to really fall into place with the one notable exception, which is probably why the show kind of seems unremarkable. Rock is obviously the, place that need, the, the piece of the puzzle that needs to be put in place, and he's about to be. So that's lovely. The, the show feels Raw feels nice. They're, they're in. They're in a groove. They're in a bit in of a groove. groove. After, after kind of flailing around a little bit for a couple of months in September, October, November, still trying to kind of find themselves. They rescued a bit when they had the Rock Triple H Austin interaction. I think. You know, I think there's a lot of I say call them moving parts. Previously, um, they've got seems a lot more stability and direction this month. Obviously, part of that is going into the Mania season, but also being without Austin and the pressures of him. And his demands of placating his position, um, they clearly didn't want to build the show around a face at this point because they needed to heat up the heel side. So they could do. They kind of got a bit of a creative license to do that because without being, without Steve again played into their hands and kind of gave him a little bit of wriggle room and yeah. their position allowed them to do that. As we said, Are you sure a shit would have lost well, Snow. <sighs> fucking do right. He just <laughs> gone home. <laughs> Uh, I mean, overall year. I mean, a cracking year for the WF in terms of business. But as we, I mean, we've done twelve podcasts covering nineteen ninety nine now. Overall thoughts on the year in terms of quality, because there've been some rocky months that we've kind of critiqued, criticised the television. But there've been other months where I think yeah, there's, there's been nuggets of gold and positive things they've done along the way. Obviously, WCW has just been fucking atrocious, and everybody expected it to be. And two thousand not going to get any better, I don't think. But uh, I mean. WCW is is worse than I remember it, and like I say, I had low expectations before going into to rewatch this stuff. But yeah, it, it is just atrocious stuff, absolutely appalling. Um, WWF for for a sort of s- smooth sailing as it's been from the business side of things. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of the, the actual sort of the product itself. Large swaths of it I did not enjoy. The ministry. There, there are there are good moments. Don't get me wrong, but you know, Austin's still over like gangbusters. Rock is great. As we get in towards the end of the year, Triple H is finding his footing in this heel At role last, yeah. now, um, and the company feels like it has its its sort of it now has a sort of clear sense of direction post the McMahon Austin feud, which you know, which is what it was trying to find leading up to the end of the year. Um, and in, in fairness, there are improvements to the mid card with the Hardys, Edge, and Christian. That's a that's, that's 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 a big thing as we go into next year, as we'll see. But but before we we got to to the end of this year, a lot of, a lot of the stuff that's sort of filling out the shows does not hold up well. Survivor Series was the one, wasn't it, that really showed it up? I mean, oh yeah, the the Ross as hot as they're getting and some of their acts are the, the depth of, the sh- of their card is still so paper thin and that was really shown at Survivor Series when the shit was thrown together the yeah. week before and yeah. the depth was, was nothing but what we've got now by the end of the year is although obviously we can say this in hindsight but even at the time you're waiting for things to you're waiting for a rock to be put in his mm-hmm. proper position you've got although you wouldn't see it this time to call the heart and, they, oh, the, you, and they're getting hotter the gra- gravitating towards them. Yeah. so you know you, all these sort of little I think did, did you mention the analogy sort of planting the season you know 
you're sort of seeing sprout yeah. things yeah. sprouting up now. the tag division with the Hardys and Ed and Christian are starting to get a little bit of traction yeah, that's, what was, that's the one for me it's like, yeah. they, they, they were there for so long yeah. in the middle of the year just doing matches no one gave a fuck but now it's that thing like when people when they come it's like people start to see them as stars yeah. and what they're doing the overall show is, is it, the way it's in one way it's polar opposite to WCW where everything seems connected for a logical reason and I think that's just the natural structure of their show with the, the McMahon's as the bosses it's simpler kind of um, direction for everything to go yeah. tied together with obviously the, the McMahon Helms deer and stuff like that whereas in WCW you've got all these disparate things just randomly happening with for no rhyme or reason or connection and when they are connected there's no logic why they're connected so it just seems no implications for why no they implications are. no it just seems and it, and it seems phony it seems just dialing up numbers of connecting stuff which is what Russo's stuff feels like connecting stuff for the sake of it um, with no rhyme or reason or real authenticity so at least the other show has that and they've got these acts coming through where you can feel and there's, there's room for them to grow as well because because the roster's so thin so that's it works in their favour going forward So, but there's things there that are starting to come to fruition and grow yeah totally I think that it's, uh, it's it is quite telling because as we move into 2000 and then there'll be a format change obviously we did this in 12 each month we did a, a show on as we go to 2000 because of the sorry ass state of WC from this point forward we're going to go back to two month increments so we're I'm not have... watching two, wor- two months worth Nitro <laughs> in a week Liam oh I know you're not <laughs> this is going to have to be over a period of time but uh, yeah. <laughs> so you, they, they reduce their show by a third and you double our workload <laughs> that's not fair however <laughs> just, he's a cruel bastard however I think you're fine not for the 50p you pay Carl that's, <laughs> we're not, he's not worth it. it's not fair that will be it will, the WF stuff will fly by so much quicker. Oh, sure Trust me, because stuff I want to watch. Because I've I've rewatched this back already, and it's fucking great. And I can't wait to get back into into WF in the year two thousand. Because for Vinnie Roo, his Waterloo is approaching rapidly, and there's a, there's some interesting shifts obviously coming up in January two thousand. I can't wait to talk about uh, for the next episode of the Monday Night War timeline. So that sums it up. WCW in a complete state of disarray, feeling like they have almost no hope of recovery now I think but they're done, they're done. I, I, I remember getting an issue of Power Slam around this time and just like seeing what was going on WCW what was lined up for a pay-per-view and just looking at it and just thinking I think it was this it was the Starcade and I just remember thinking this just feels so different to the promotion that was so red hot last year like last year like twelve months before. Twelve months. Like, I mean, we can say what we, we can say what we want about the the, the Goldberg Nash match and the way it ended and the treatment of Goldberg. People wanted to see the match. Yeah. And now it's like you got this fucking roster littered with all these fucking big name stars back in 1998 with all these matches and options and stars underneath bubbling up that you know, could rise through the ranks. And now you look at this show and it's like it might as well be fucking six doink the clowns wrestling on this show It'd be more entertaining at times not that boring it would be but you know it's different well, they had five fat Santa Clauses on the other show so maybe six clowns would actually draw yeah it still did better ratings than them so. in fact I'm surprised Russo didn't do that the following week mm. yeah but anyway it is it, it is as it stands as we enter the year 2000 one company here uh, is heading for the iceberg and the other one is heading for the moon uh, I'm not going to tell you which one's which but you might already know he's not standing on the coast laughing at the <laughs> Look at those dumb fucks. Can't they see it? <laughs> Why are they going faster? <laughs> Where are the life preservers? Oh, Hogan took them all. <laughs> yeah. 
So there you go. That's as it stands. So we will be back here at SCG Radio. Uh, next couple of weeks, we're thinking of a, a new concept that was actually brought to us by Luke Edwards, uh, where we're going to be taking a look at some of the five-star matches as ranked by Dave Meltzer throughout history. Uh, starting in 1983, we're going to do a, a batch of them at a time. I think this is quite a nice idea. Good way to kind of break down matches, kind of see how we kind of rank them in our own minds, and it'll be a lot of fun, I think, to kind of talk about some awesome wrestling rather than uh, WCW Nitros and the current modern-day WWE landscape, which is a little bit shaky, to say the least, as we said last week. That's a you know, nice injection of, of positivity yes. into the podcast. And it'll be much welcome. Think about that, loyal listeners. Yeah. Old man Jones being positive. <laughs> try, and, try, try and sleep easy knowing that. <laughs> So that's coming up here at SCG Radio, and we will be back. So thank you very much for listening. For Carl Jones. Just picture the creepiest smile you can imagine. That's old man Jones positive. And for Kieran O'Rourke. Seriously, David Flett must have the biggest penis <laughs> in the world, because basically, seriously. I am Liam O'Rourke, and we are out of here. Talk to you next week. It's just... Let's all meet up in the year 2000.